now, introducing a man who was a finalist for the Maryland head coaching job before withdrawing his name from consideration. When asked for comment, he said, I was all in until I realized I don't know the first thing about coaching basketball, and I didn't want the job based on a popularity contest. That's okay. Now he gets to spend time watching his boys play lacrosse. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. Obviously, big news in the uh, Baltimore sports world as Grayson Rodriguez is going to pitch today. So I'm excited. We can uh, we can listen to that. I guess. I, I, which, by the way, everybody's complaining about TV. As of like two days ago, that game wasn't even going to be on radio. So oh, it's on radio now. Apparently, I the looked Orioles, it up today. And it I know. I I assure you, I've got it listed as no broadcast on. Uh, totally tubular today, but um, the Orioles shared out a tweet today that said it was on uh, uh, 98 Rock and WBAL. So there's that. If if that's something that you're into, I'm not. So I'm I'm the wrong person. I would. It must have been my tweet complaining about how it's not being broadcast. Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know if that's the case, Paul. But we'll go with that. We'll just go, we'll just go with it. Um, look, we'll be talking plenty of Kevin Willard today on the program. Today's show is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel Maryland and the FanDuel Sportsbook. And what a day we had. And we need to fix our recording, Paul, and make sure that the people can hear us on MixLR as well. Just got to make sure everything's good on that end. Yep, that good. That end's good. We got to fix our recording. Hey, what a day we had on uh, Friday. As we were hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Oh, my word. Rodney Elliott was there. He was, man, a man of the people on Friday, Rodney Elliott. Everybody came out to see Rodney. It was wild. The people walking up, asking him to take pictures with them. It was cool. It was a very cool day that we had a mob scene out there. I know it was an amazing weekend in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And um, I, we're going to go back. We're looking at the national championship game probably as being the date for our next appearance there. I uh, <clears throat> I did not have necessarily a great day. My uh, my wild parlay play didn't work out, and then as I want to do, when uh, when one thing fails, hey, try again. So I did, and that failed too. And then I said, I'm gonna cut my losses on a day like today. Rodney started playing all the unders, um, like just under, 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 under all all unders all day, and he was doing quite well for himself. That's what Brad um, Feinberg told us to do on Weekend at Bookies two weeks ago. He's like, hey, man, play unders in the NCAA tournament. You got a lot of intensity, a lot of defense. Smart, smart. Worked out for Rodney. I did end up playing the Maryland women to cover, and I felt very good about that as they took care of business, not only against Delaware, but then again against Florida Gulf Coast yesterday. So had a great time in the FanDuel Sportsbook. A reminder, just because the first weekend of the tournament is over does not mean that bracket bonus offer is over. You can still win $500 if you are a live rewards member and you make any $50 bet on any NCAA tournament game. That goes through the championship game. So you show up there this week, you bet on a Sweet 16 game, you go up this weekend, you bet on an Elite 8 game, or next week on a Final Four, whatever it is, a $50 bet on any NCAA tournament game can be registered to win a $500 bracket bonus, and 10 Live Rewards members will receive $500 bracket bonuses. You can find out more by going up to the window there in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Ask them. They will happily get you signed up 
for live rewards. I cannot recommend it enough as you're down there hanging out and betting this week. All right, we'll talk about Kevin Willard this morning with Zach Braziller from the New York Post. He covers college sports for them, was covering Seton Hall. We'll talk about it with uh, John Feinstein, who's going to join us, of course, from the Washington Post. We will talk about it with former Towson and Iona coach. There's some synergy there as um, Kevin Willard spent some time at Iona. Pat Kennedy will join us as well, and um, Jeremy Kahn will join us later on this morning too. Here's what I have to say about Kevin Willard, and I'm giving away much of the column that you can read later today at PressBoxOnline.com. Um, I understand why it is that so many of you are not overwhelmed. I get it. I promise you I do. I, I, I really do. I don't think you should be bullied by someone who's more excited. I don't think that you should be, uh, your opinion should be dismissed. I understand that there are legitimate reasons to not be overly excited about Kevin Willard. That legitimate reason shouldn't be because you just thought they were going to hire Rick Pitino and anybody they hired that wasn't Rick Pitino you were going to be pissed about. That That's a reflection of you. But if your honest reflection of Kevin Willard is along the lines of, okay, but he's 1-5 in five in the NCAA tournament, that's fair. It's fair. It's not the entirety of the story, but it's fair. Kevin Willard absolutely has done a fine job, fine to really good job at Seton Hall. When he arrived, the program was a mess. I mean, an utter and complete mess. And he has made them a fixture in the NCAA tournament, won a Big East tournament. Ironically, you could argue his best team was the team in 2020. Of course, that's what a lot of people say about Mark Turgeon, but we all know that that team was falling apart at the seams as the season was ending. But his best chance of maybe making a tournament run was the tournament that didn't happen. And yeah, we can all snicker and say, hey, we've heard that before. But it's true. Kevin Wheeler did a really good job at Seton Hall. But this is the guarantee fairy thing that I've been talking about for weeks. Whenever we brought up Kevin Willard on the show, I've said, we are doing the bit where we want a guarantee. We want to know the answers before we know the questions. We want to get an A before we've taken the quiz. And because of that, we miss how any of this works. Villanova had no idea what Jay Wright was going to be capable of doing when they hired him. He had gone to two NCAA tournaments and hadn't won a game, albeit at Hofstra. Tony Bennett had been a head coach at Washington State for three years. He was 3-2 and two in the NCAA tournament when he was hired at Virginia. Scott Drew had been a head coach for one season at Valparaiso before he was hired at Baylor. They all have something in common. They're all national champions. There was no certainty that any of them were going to work. If you point out that the profile of Kevin Willard is not terribly dissimilar to the profile of Mark Turgeon at the point when he was hired at Maryland, you wouldn't be wrong. A guy who worked his way up from a mid-major to a major with a lower profile to what is thought of as more of a basketball school ultimately at Maryland. You wouldn't be wrong. And at a younger but not terribly young age, Kevin Willard, of course, got into coaching at one of the youngest ages we've seen anybody in his early 30s. 
It's remarkable that Kevin Willard's been coaching for 15 years. He's, he's still only 46. It's incredible. You wouldn't be wrong to point that out. Of course, somebody would even say Mark Turgeon had actually had more NCAA tournament success because he had taken Wichita State to one sweet 16. One more than Kevin Willard's been to during his tenure as a head coach. Not These aren't all apples-to-apples apples comparisons. Seton Hall is a major, if you will, power conference program, but a difficult power conference program. Where P.J. Carlissimo, of course, had great success once upon a time, but it was not the type of success that was followed up. There was no expectation that you could be a basketball power at Seton Hall. There's no football program to prop up the entire athletic department financially. They don't have an on-campus arena in which they can make great profit from their games. The job is more difficult, drastically more difficult. And he did a good job. Does that mean he's going to come to Maryland and compete for national championships? No effing clue. You are right to be underwhelmed. It's a milk toasty hire. But there's the second part of that, which is that's the hire Maryland could make. Maryland couldn't get Eric Musselman. I assure you if they could, they would have gotten him. They got the coach they could get. This was always going to be the problem in trying to replace Mark Turgeon is there was going to be a percentage of fans that either because of their overall casual nature or simply because they're, um, they're a little off their rockers were going to believe that Maryland could land whatever coach they wanted. And that is not even in the realm of truthfulness. Maryland is not a basketball power. They pay good money to get Kevin Willard. They had to pay good money just to get Kevin Willard. Even Kevin Willard wasn't leaving Seton Hall for $3 million a year because Maryland's such a good job. They had to pay $4.4 million per year. But $4.4 million per year doesn't get you the top candidate on the market. Because those schools are willing to match those numbers. You get a good coach. Kevin Willard's a good coach. Not a sure thing, but a good coach. And there's absolutely room in there to believe that he can do a better job at Maryland than he had even done at Seton Hall because there should be more resources, a better, more fertile recruiting area. You can say really more fertile than New York. Fair. Seton Hall's never really made any inroads in New York. That's not true. Not saying they've never made any inroads is incorrect. Seton Hall is not prominent within New York. Seton Hall is not a place that matters significantly to the average kid playing basketball in New York. Now, you could say maybe perhaps it's appearing to be more true that kids in Maryland and D.C. don't care the same way about Maryland. There's an argument to be made there. There is more of a connection than exists between a New York pipeline and Seton Hall. But that does have to be reestablished. 
I am not over the moon about Kevin Willard, but there's a reason we've been talking about Kevin Willard from day one since this process began, because he was the coach they were going to be able to get. And the, the best, the most accomplished of the coaches they were going to be able to get. Some of you would say, hey, if you're going to hire Kevin Willard, you might as well just hire a young coach. You might as well just go ahead and hire Matt McMahon or Todd Golden from San Francisco, the guy that ended up going to the University of Florida. And there's something to be said for that. I'm not, I'm not telling you you're wrong necessarily. A lot of people, of course, are like, well, boy, Seton Hall's going to get Shaheen Holloway and Maryland's going to get Kevin Willard. And at the moment, I think I'd rather have Shaheen Holloway than Kevin Willard. And I get it, right? It's the flavor of the week. Shaheen Holloway is the guy. And by the way, I think Shaheen Holloway is a hell of a coach. And he might very well do a tremendous job at Seton Hall whenever the St. Peter's run ends. And it might very well be that five years down the road we'll look back and say, maybe we should have taken Shaheen Holloway instead of Kevin Willard. But you can't pretend as though we have evidence that he's actually a better coach yet. It's just people throwing it out because they want to throw it out. We have no idea. We do not have enough of a track record. A year ago, Oral Roberts made the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed. Was anybody talking about Paul Mills as a guy they wanted to see come to Maryland this year? And I'm not knocking Shaheen Holloway. Or, I, I, there's so much that I like about Shaheen Holloway. And if Maryland had hired Shaheen Holloway, I'd probably say to myself, let's go. It's a good hire. But pretending as though there is some certainty that exists for one of these younger coaches that doesn't exist with Kevin Willard is nonsense. It's poppycock. It's just stuff we're saying because we're trying to throw something out there to justify our own emotions, our own feelings. Because we wanted to wake up today with the shiniest. We wanted to go, this is really what it is. As a Maryland, it's, it's like the first day of free agency in the NFL. We want a new toy. The basketball team hasn't been good, so it's not been fun to be a Maryland fan. And all of our friends that, are, that root for other teams are all excited about their teams and the actual things they're doing. We want something to be excited about. We want to be able to run back in their faces. Oh, yeah? Well, we got Eric Musselman, or we got Rick Pitino now, whatever it is. That's it. That's the extent of it. It's the winning replacement theory. We're not winning, so we want something else that makes us feel like we're winning. The only thing that matters is will the guy win or not. That's it. That's the list. That's all that matters about this hire is what happens now. I think Kevin Willard is a pretty good coach, and I think he's got a chance here. I can't guarantee it, and I think Maryland's got to have a shorter leash than they had with Mark Turgeon. And by the way, that would piss off people around college basketball who think that Maryland had too short of a leash with Mark Turgeon. But if it's plodding along, and it's middling, and it continues to be like this, they can't wait a decade to pull the trigger again. They gave him a five-year deal, which is what you have to do in order to get a coach because you have to give him the opportunity to come in and recruit. But the nature of the transfer portal says it shouldn't be as miserable as it was when Mark Turgeon took over, remembering he had to take over in June behind any recruiting for the first year. He entirely lost the first year because of the timing of Gary Williams' retirement. Kevin Willard has been actively recruiting and should be able to get 
immediate kids that at least he was going to try to get to Seton Hall to now switch and come to Maryland. There are still plenty of players available in this recruiting class, and there will be ungodly numbers of transfers, which doesn't mean that it's a guarantee that he can be competitive a year from now, but there should be a far better chance of that than Mark Turgeon's first year based on the nature of the transfer portal. It should not take three years for him to figure out what competition looks like, at least moving in a direction. If it does, then you probably have your answer. There can't be a long leash here. But Kevin Willard deserves this shot. He's worked his way to get this job. You're not getting a guarantee, Ferry. You're not getting anything that promises that this is going to work. But this is a qualified, sensible hire that was made by the University of Maryland. It was someone who was deserving of the job. You might have liked someone more. You might have personally wanted a particular candidate, whatever it was. But you can't change the fact that this was a qualified hire. A solid but not necessarily spectacular hire. This is what Maryland could do. This is who they could get. Now we'll find out. Now we'll get the answers. Now the job begins. We're going to try to learn more about Ralph, oh, sorry, Ralph Willard. That was his father. Kevin Willard. Of course, Ralph Willard was a successful coach himself, son of a coach, right? Uh, Ralph Willard, who Kevin played for at one point at Pitt. We're going to find out. We're, I mean, we're going to get answers moving forward. There's a lot of us that want to cheat and know that today. I get it. We want to know. This guy's going to win a national championship. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know if Eric Musselman will ever win a championship. Don't know if Nate Oates will ever win a championship. It's the reality of these circumstances. I like Matt McMahon. I think a lot of people think he's going to end up at LSU. No clue if he'll end up ever winning a national championship. Couldn't tell you. Dennis Gates might get the job at Missouri. Couldn't tell you if he'll ever win a national championship. If I had to guess... Most of them won't because it's really hard to do that in college basketball. There's a lot of teams out there, and it's far easier for the Blue Bloods than it is for SEC schools and places like Maryland. I'm not, you know, I've heard from a lot of you. I've heard from a ton of you over the course of the weekend. Uh, Paul from Ovilando loves ter love Terps message boards. They melt melt down over everything. Back when Nicholas hit the shot versus UNCW, they complained about struggling to beat them. Melted down over the locks hire because of his New Mexico record. Now melting down over Willard's NCAA record. It's always something to shake my head. I, I understand the NCAA tournament thing being particularly kind of hitting close to home because of it being the ultimate bugaboo when it came to the last coach. That one in particular, somebody might say, well, could you at least have gotten a coach a little more NCAA tournament success? Well, if a coach had more NCAA tournament sec success, they probably wouldn't be looking to leave the place they were. There's got to be a reason why a coach is available to take the Maryland job. If they're a coach that's made multiple Final Four runs, they're probably not available. Would have been great to be the team that, that hired Porter Moser a year ago? Yeah, sure, you would have gotten that guy. One Final Four run. Those coaches are largely unavailable or at places where they want to be. 
This is what you got to do when you're hiring a coach. You can't get the answer ahead of time. You can't cheat the process and get a guarantee. North Carolina can do that. They can hire Roy Williams once upon a time. They didn't do that this time around. But they could hire Roy Williams because he happened to be an alum. And it wasn't a sure thing. He hadn't won a championship yet. But you knew Roy Williams is one of the best coaches in all basketball when they hired him. But it was a very unique circumstance that North Carolina could do. And the overwhelming majority of schools cannot hire like that. You have to hire someone who there's a reason why they might be inclined to leave the place where they are. Kevin Willard had won two NCAA tournaments. He probably wouldn't be at Seton Hall. He probably would have left already. Just want to cheat the process, man. It's the way it works. All right, uh, make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Highlander today. It is Glenn Clark Radio. We are reacting to Maryland hiring Kevin Willard this morning. Let's talk a little bit more about Kevin Willard and find out more about him as a coach, someone who's been around him a lot the last couple of years, covers college sports for New York Post. He is Zach Braziller, and he's with us now here on GCR. Zach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Zach, um, I, I'll, I'll dumb it down as possible. What do people down here need to know about the new basketball coach at the University of Maryland? You know, he he's going to work extremely hard. He's going to live and die with every game. You know, he his team is going to, you know, is going to work its you-know-what off. Um, you know, he, he, he turned Seton Hall from basically an irrelevant program to nationally relevant. You know, they, they made five of the last six tournaments. His players got better. You know, he developed, you know, under-recruited guys into being some of the best players in the Big East. I get it. He's got one in five NCAA tournament record, so I do understand if Maryland fans are skeptical. But I'm intrigued to see what he can do with, you know, with much more resources at a better job at a place, you know, where it's going to be a lot easier to recruit. It's I'm, I'm fascinated to see what he can do there. Let, let's cover a couple of things you just brought up. One, um, the tournament thing. It, it, do you think that's more of a reflection of him or more of a reflection of the difficulty of the job at a place like Seton Hall? Yeah. I mean, they got, look, they got, they got a few bad draws when 2016, when they won the big East tournament, they got a six seed, and they ended up having to play a Gonzaga team that really should not have been an 11 seed. Yeah. You know, that was a team that that was a team that made a Sweet 16 and probably should have gone further. They blew a game against Syracuse there. Um, so 2016 was a really bad draw. 2018, they won a game and then they had to play Kansas, in which time they lost a close game. You know, to me, they've lost. He lost one NCAA tournament game. He should have won. That was 2017, the first round to Arkansas. The issue that he ran into is his teams. His best teams, even, would kind of have these funks in January, which would hurt their seed. So they would go into like a little slide and they'd lose four or five or six of eight, and they'd always respond and they'd always make the tournament and they'd, and they'd get themselves together. But, but those kind of those little funks would, would be the difference between being, you know, an eight seed and a five seed, a seven seed and a four seed. Okay. Is it. it Again, there's danger here, Zach, because there's this comparison that Maryland fans are making to the last coach here, who was a really good coach, but just didn't win in March. And one of the, the biggest problems was the teams were never playing their be never playing better basketball at the end of the season 
than they were at the beginning of the season. You point out the Big East tournament uh, title run, and that certainly would 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 stand up as being no. That team was clearly playing better basketball in March than they were playing at any point. But was that more of a common theme with Kevin Willard that that they they were teams that played better in December than they played in March? Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. Okay. You know, I mean. I think you also have to look at 2020. Um, he was going to be around a three seed and, you know, had a team that really probably could have made a run to a, at least to a sweet 16, maybe even further. And obviously COVID eliminated that. And I know that, you know, there are a lot of teams you could say the same thing for. No, look, they, his teams usually did, you know, get it together in February and, and headed into March. To me, the, the biggest thing just with, with the tournament is just, you know, they, they, they would have these like mid season Lumps, and that would just really hurt their seed. You know, I think you also have to look at it this way. It's not like he he's pit a four or five seed and has lost games he should win. Right. You know, it's just he he they 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 they've basically lost to me every besides besides 2017 against Arkansas when they're in an eight nine game. They probably lost every game in the tournament they should lose. Um, you know, and. That to me is the point. He, the next step for him, obviously at Maryland, is he's he's got to figure out a way to to not have that little that dip in January or, or early February that 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 turns him into a seven or eight seed. So we all know when when you're in that spot, it's really hard to get out of the first weekend. Yeah, Zach Braziller from the New York Post, he's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Zach, what kind of recruiter is he? And I, and I asked that saying in, on paper, it looks like he's more of the type that's gotten gotten more from guys that maybe flew a little bit under the radar over the years. Has that been for lack of trying to get? Has he accepted that's who he wants to be? Or do you think now in a place like Maryland, he's he's more likely to be a guy who is living and dying out on the road himself, doing the hard work, doing whatever it takes in order to land top recruits? No, he's like, he's a worker. There's no doubt about it. He's, you know, he... He he'll he'll be out he'll be out recruiting. He did at Seton Hall. He'll be out you know trying to get the best kids and you know that is a fair point. I also think you have to consider where he was. Seton Hall is an incredibly tough job. It's one of the you know to me the tougher jobs in the Big East. And if you know you talk about the Power Six conferences, mm-hmm. um, they they play their home games in Newark, which isn't really that close to their campus. It's it's just it's it's a hard place to draw. It's a hard place to sell, and so I think part of it is you do need to find got you know under under the radar guys. To me, it's going to be it's going to be very different, in Maryland. I I I know he's expecting to recruit at a much higher level. <laughs> I know he's and look, he has gotten some really good players. He got Isaiah Whitehead, who was a five star kid. He got Angel Delgado, who was a top fifty guy. Um, you know, you got Kadeen Carrington, who was who a who is a four-star recruit, I believe. So he has gotten some guys, but at Seton Hall, it's, it, it is really hard to land top 50-type talent, and I'm sure it's going to be a lot easier at Maryland. Uh, the the offense, this has been, again, and we go back to what Maryland fans have struggled with, with a, with a coach that was that did a pretty good job, was they would complain, hey, you know, he, he doesn't, it, it's hard to figure out what he's doing offensively sometimes. It doesn't even really seem like they're running sets. They just... It just sort of seemed to be out there and waiting to clear out for a point guard to go ISO and make a play. And I've, I've talked to some folks that are more invested in Seton Hall basketball who say, you know, it's not the most exciting offense you'll ever watch in your life. 
what do we need to know about the style of basketball that Kevin Willard is probably going to be bringing with him to College Park? Yeah, look, I don't think he runs. You know, they're not. They're not. They're not a team that's going to run a million sets. But they, you know, they do have. They do have. You know, he did, he does run stuff. You know, they 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 do motion. Um, and look, I think it's all it's it's about talent. I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know, everyone I think does. And look, I cover our St. John's a lot here too, and that's a big thing with their their fan bases. You know, we don't run enough plays, and we don't run enough sets. And you know, when he's had when Willard has had really good teams, the offense has been fun. When he's had enough talent, the offense has been good. Earlier this year, before he lost his best offensive player, Bryce Aiken, the offense the people weren't complaining about the offense. You know. Um, so yeah, I, I think what the kind of, you're going to look, they're going to play tough. It's going to be a gritty team. He's going to, he's going to demand defense out of his guys. And, you know, I, I think he's, he's shown that it works. He's shown the way he coaches works and wins. Now he's got it to me. He's obviously got to do it at a higher level in Maryland, but I also think it's, 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 it's going to be easier to do that too, because, like I said, Seton Hall is a very, very, very tough job. I, There's a reason the program was dormant for so long before he arrived. I, I, you know, I, was, I get that. I completely financially, even too. What you bring up with the arena being so far away and not being on your campus, so you don't get to make the money off of it the same way, and then. There's not a football program to help prop up the athletic department either, right? Like financially, you're just at a complete disadvantage when you're at a place like Seton Hall. Yeah, look, it's it's a very, very, very tough place to win, you know. Um, and he really won a ton the last, you know, about about seven years. And you know, you kind of go always go back to 2020 because that was a really good team and a team I thought had Final Four capabilities. And obviously that didn't that didn't happen. I, to me, his biggest his biggest thing, and like I've touched on before, is eliminating those you know mid season dips because that's really to me been the difference with some of his better teams of why they haven't haven't gone further because they run into uh, Kansas in 2018 or you know even this year having to play a TCU in the eight nine game instead of you know uh, a more manageable opponent that that's really been what's held him back in the NCAA tournament because he gets, he's gotten a lot of really tough draws because he's, you know, lost a few games that, that has hurt the resume. Personality wise, we're going to get to meet him for the first time tomorrow night at a press conference. What, you know, this is, you, you, you know, that uh, Maryland's a little bit different than say the Midwest. It's, it's probably not quite as uh, crazy as being somewhere like New York. I would like to think if you're someone who has been able to make it work personality wise in New Jersey and with the New York media, You'd you'd probably be someone that would be a bit of a better fit at a place like Maryland, correct? Yeah, he you know he doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, it, it did take him a while to loosen up. Okay, at Seton Hall, but he's a guy that's got he's got a dry wit. He's funny. Um, he's charismatic. I think people will like him. Now I'll be interested to see how he is off the bat because, like I said, he he was a little tight the first few years there at Seton Hall. It, it took him a little while to to loosen up. But he's, you know, he's a very likable person. You know, he's, like I said, he's not going to take himself too seriously. He's, um, he'll, 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 you know, he'll crack jokes and, and things like that. I do think you guys will like him, buddy. 
maybe at least at the beginning, he might be a little buttoned up just until he kind of gets comfortable. Gets his feet wet. Sure, I can understand that. I can certainly get that. But it sounds like in general, you you sound like someone that believes it's possible that this could be an ascending type of hire for that, you know, somebody would say, hey, 15 years in, we got the story. You, you, it sounds like you're saying, no, we, we might not yet, that the, the switch might continue to allow Kevin Willard to ascend to whatever he's going to end up being as a basketball coach at the University of Maryland. Look, he's, he's, a, he's, a, good, he's a really good coach. He, his first job was at Iona. He came and he inherited a program that had, won two, had two wins the year before, and he immediately turned that program around and set it up for future success um, under Tim Cruz. He goes to Seton Hall, a program that was basically, you know, was completely irrelevant, was, was you know, nowhere in the Big East. He leads that program to, to five tournaments in, you know, in six different, you know, opportunities. He, it's two programs now he's inherited, he's made better. Seton Hall is a much better program now than when he, when he arrived. The same thing you can say about Iona, you know, from when he, le- when he arrived to when he, when he left. That, to me, is always kind of the barometer of a coach is compare, compare the state of the program to when they got there to when they leave. And to me, both schools he's been at have been in so much better shape, you know, from the time he got there for the time he departed. I think that's a very fair thing to say. Zach, where can folks be following you? Uh, Twitter, of course, uh, obviously in the New York post, um, as you continue to cover college basketball throughout the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, well, hey, man, I really appreciate the time, and, um, you well, know, it's good luck, all right? Oh, no, I appreciate that. I was trying to get you a plug for your Twitter account. Where, oh, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry. It's uh, nypost underscore Brazil. That's B-R-A-Z-I-L-L-E. All right, excellent. Give him a follow there. Hey, Zach, really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning, man. Thank you so much yeah, for man, doing my, it. My pleasure, man. Good luck, all right? Thank you. You too. Zach Brazil are checking in with us here on GCR. He covers college sports for New York Post. Um, news breaking as well this morning. Uh, Pat Ricard is back with the Baltimore Ravens, according to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. The Ravens have agreed in principle on a three-year deal with Pro Bowl fullback Patrick Ricard. So, you know, um, I, I, I guess we could say that's good news. I don't, I, think I don't think it's bad news. There's certainly no way that it's bad news. If you want to say you don't think the fullback position is all that big of a deal, you can – certainly say that that but given the fact that it took this long i presume that the money is far more favorable to the baltimore ravens in order to make something like this work so i'm hard pressed to imagine how this is in any way any sort of anything other than a good thing for the offense that they run i think it's important that they bring him back and i think that him trying to sell himself as a tight end probably wasn't i think it was important to bring him back at a price right i I would not have paid a premium for that because again i'll go back to the trust that i have in the ravens to find fullbacks Mm -hmm. right like they're really good at it they are really good especially in helped in part by the fact that so few teams use them there's there's just less campaigning for fullbacks so i would have trusted if they had let him move on for more money, that they could have replaced Patrick Ricard with a quality fullback. But again, a week into free agency, my belief would be that doing it now says the market kind of crashed back down. They got him at a price that they were far more comfortable with, and so because of that, thumbs up all around. Yeah, I mean, not many teams employ a fullback these days, and trying to I get trying to sell himself as a tight end, but that was never going to happen. Uh, well, I mean, he wasn't going to get paid like a true tight end, for right, sure, right. but I... I you know, I, it would have been interesting to see if there was a unique team and a unique fit. It just didn't work out that way, and that's good news for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a plus. Obviously, the Bradley Bozeman situation is weird. 
the fact that he got such a small one-year contract from Carolina. Like, why wouldn't the Ravens would have done that is the question that a lot of people are asking. Um, I don't know with certainty that the Ravens wouldn't have. I don't know that at some point it just got to a place where they were moving on. That they, you know, if the Ravens weren't meeting a certain number, they felt like it was time to move on and do something else at that point. And it's pretty clear this is sort of a prove-it type of deal um, there's a couple of incentives thrown in, but yeah, I mean, it's a price that I, I would look at and say on paper, you you didn't value the center position enough to, to shore it up. Now, again, if they believe that they can either internally or via the draft fix that, they think that McCarry's the answer now that they've got Morgan Moses to play right tackle or... They happen to believe that Tristan Colon Castillo is a high-level NFL center. Okay, we'll see. It's just it's really hard to look at that number on paper and think anything other than, yeah, I probably would have paid that price to keep, even separating what they mean to the community. Just from a football standpoint, I would have probably been willing to pay that price to keep Bradley Bozeman around. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have. I don't know if the same price would have kept them here or kept him here. I just don't know that. I, I'm not trying to report anything as I don't know that. I'm sort of speculating based on things that I do know, but I don't know that they would have stayed for the same price as what they ultimately signed with in Carolina. So just bear that in mind. It might not entirely be on the Ravens. And if you want to say, hey, that's got to be embarrassing. You thought you're going to go get a boatload of money and you didn't get it. Eh. I think that's a bit much, too. I think it's a bit much, too. But Patrick Ricard's back, and thumbs up to that. All right, today's show also brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. We'll get John Feinstein's thoughts next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Monday edition of the program. Speaking of Mondays, Stan the Fan talks baseball with you and Ross Grimsley every Monday. Tonight, he and Ross will be joined by former Orioles manager Dave Tremblay, who is now managing in the uh, new MLB Draft League, the uh, the team up in Pennsylvania and State College. Have a good conversation for you tonight. Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Sports. Also, we'll be hopping on uh, later this afternoon for a powwow about the new Maryland basketball coach on Facebook Live. I believe that'll be at 2 o'clock. The, uh, the staff here at Pressbox will be doing that. Joining us now to share his thoughts on Maryland's hire and whatever else is on his mind because we love these segments. This man, of course, is uh, one of the more accomplished writers in the entire country. Raise a fist, take a knee. Still available right now. It's always a pleasure to welcome back in from the Washington Post, Mr. John Feinstein. John, it's Glenn. How you doing, sir? Glenn, I'm okay. How are you? I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with exactly what to make. I, I think Kevin Willard's a good basketball coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a solid, practical hire for the University of Maryland and probably was about as well as they were going to do. I also kind of understand why there are Maryland fans who say, well, tell me exactly how he's different than Mark Turgeon. What do you make of all of that? Well, in terms of personality, they're not wrong. Uh, Although Kevin has a little bit more fire on the bench, I think, than Mark. Um, But they are similar coaches in that they're both very good coaches. You know how I felt about Mark as a coach. Um, Kevin has been a winner at Iona. Uh, he had done, a, I think, a remarkable job at Seton Hall. I think people tend to an easy job at all. They don't play on campus. You know, they're in the Big East, which isn't what it was 20 or 30 years ago, but it's still a very solid league. And he's been a consistent winner there in the last seven or eight years. He's also a good guy, and, and that matters uh, to me anyway. Uh, I know his father, Ralph, very well. And, of course, Ralph was – a uh, successful coach at Western Kentucky uh, and, and at Holy Cross, not so much in between at Pittsburgh, but there were reasons for that. Uh, and I think having his dad around 
um, since he stopped coaching, has helped Kevin a, a, a good deal. But you're, it's not an out-of-the-box type of slam dunk hire. The, the, the name that I've actually sort of came to in the last couple of weeks, and I don't even know if he was on Maryland's list at all, uh, was Mark Schmidt. Hmm. Um, hmm. Because if you can win in St. Bonaventure, you can win anywhere. Hmm. And Mark played for Gary Williams. Uh, he obviously would have had Gary very involved right from day one when he got here. Uh, he tells great stories about Gary the way anybody who spent time with him does. Um, so, but but I but I I'm not going to argue with the hire. I think I think like you said, it's it's a good hire. Um, it, and you know I know there were Maryland fans out there who wanted Rick Pitino. I think that would have been a terrible mistake. And I think the president stepped in when Damon Evans was considering it and said no. Um, uh, which was the right thing to do. I, I mean, put aside all the baggage Patino brings. He's also seventy, going to be seventy years old in the fall. Um, and Kevin worked under Patino, and he's worked for good coaches. And like I said, he's learned from his dad. So I, I think he's a very solid hire. Is it- I, it, it, my question would be, I guess, if not Kevin or Mark Schmidt, who then? Right. Right. I don't. I don't think they were doing. They weren't getting Eric Musselman. Like, no, that wasn't they weren't happen. getting Eric Musselman. They weren't getting uh, uh, Ed Cooley. Right. They, uh, Andy Enfield just signed a new contract a couple weeks ago at Southern Cal. Um, so, he, he, again, it's not just who do you want to hire. It's who can you hire. The other per- name that came up in the last week or so was Mike Bray. Right. And I actually reached out to Mike, and I said, are you interested? And he said, I don't want to coach in the Big Ten. Hmm. It didn't have to do with Maryland. It had to do with the league. Interesting. That's really, really interesting, especially as we see another kind of slog for the Big Ten in the NCAA tournament this year. That's really interesting to find. Yeah, and the ACC has done pretty well, even though Notre Dame did lose last night. They've done quite well. They've done far better than I think people expected, given where we thought that league was this season. Yeah, I mean, uh, Miami has been a revelation, and Carolina's been a revelation, and and Duke managed to squeeze through um, last night. John, is it is it fair to say that there should be an expectation that if someone was successful but not overwhelming at a place like Seton Hall, they should be even better than that at a place like Maryland simply because of the resources? Or is that maybe a step too far to just try to make such an assumption? Well, I don't think, yeah, I think making assumptions is difficult. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, Maryland certainly has more resources. Um, than than Seton Hall does, just starting with the fact that they're they're gyms on campus. That's a that's a big deal, especially to recruits. Um, but uh, you know, Maryland. I, I think the job that Mark Turgeon took eleven years ago was a better job because it was an ACC job. And I'm not saying the Big Ten's better or worse than the ACC, but Maryland is an ACC school, and you can see it in the fact that the, there, there's no. No passion to, to me uh, among Maryland fans for any of the Big Ten teams. You know, even when Michigan State, which wasn't great this year, but was still Michigan State, came to town, the building was about half full. And again, Maryland wasn't good, but if it had been the same game against Duke or North Carolina, if Maryland was winless, the building would have been full. And we all know that. And, and the Maryland people knew that when they took the Big Ten's money. And, and that, the Big Ten's still a heck of a league. But it's, it, it's not the same as recruiting and saying, hey, we're going to play Duke and Carolina every year. Michigan State and pick anybody you want, Purdue, Illinois, Iowa, they don't resonate here the way those schools, including Virginia, by the way, resonate. 
It's, I mean, I, I certainly understand all of that. I, I, I'm struggling with it still, you know, John, because I, I do think that when people complain about the league, I'll say, look, if Maryland was winning year in and year out, this place would be packed. You know what I mean? Like, I, no, I there's no question when right. it affects attendance. Um, but, but my point is that... The quality of the job, I understand the argument. Yeah, and, but, and, and, and recruiting, and in the old days, you could say, hey, look, we, we had a down year, but look at what our attendance was, because their attendance would, would be better, certainly. And attendance, uh, players don't worry that much about attendance. Although when they visit, if you've got a roaring packed gym, it creates a lot different feeling than if you've got a half full gym. Is there one thing for you that stands out that you say, if Kevin Willard is going to succeed at Maryland, he needs to do blank? Is there anything that jumps out at you? Well, I think, well, he needs to win, obviously. Which, okay. <laughs> but, all right, all right. But, uh, yeah, I, des- and, I deserve it. means that. he needs to recruit. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to see, you know, everybody said, well, you got to get players from Baltimore, Washington. Well, that's nice, but it's a different world we live in now. Um, because, you know, everybody's on television everywhere. Um, and, and players leave their home areas all the time, not just here, but all around the country. So I think Kevin, because of his experience in the New York, New Jersey area, um, because of his experience in the SEC, I think he should be able to recruit nationally. I would hope he can recruit nationally. Um, Gary certainly did that. And I also think that uh, he should he should do what Gary did. And as far as I know, Mark never really did. He needs to get out on campus. He needs to speak at every booster club meeting he can. He needs to reach out and, and, and bring the fans back to Maryland basketball because they kind of fled in the last few years. I mean, it's ironic because just two years ago, they tied for the Big Ten title, but nobody ever embraced Mark Turgeon. Now, maybe if he'd gone to a Final Four, um, you know, or three Sweet Sixteens, although I remember when Gary was going to the Sweet Sixteen just about every year before they made the Final Four, I remember Maryland fans saying to me, well, Gary's just a Sweet Sixteen coach. We need to get someone else in here. In fact, a lot of them wanted Mike Bray, ironically enough. But um, I think that, that he needs to, in addition to doing all the stuff you have to do as a coach to try to win games, he needs to really reach out to the Maryland community. Because it, for better and worse, it's a very passionate community. And if he reaches out to it, I think they'll respond. Um, John, Len Elmore made an argument to me a couple weeks ago, and, and I've talked to a lot of Maryland uh, alums about it, and they certainly share in it that whoever the coach was going to be needed to have an alum on staff, and that it wasn't as much about the functionality of doing the job as much as it was about saying as the University of Maryland, if you come here, we're going to take care of you and give you opportunities moving forward. We know, obviously, at a place like Duke, that you only ever have alums on staff right. over the years. Do you think there's something to be said for, you know, someone coming in that's not connected to Maryland in any sort of way, they should prioritize maybe trying to have that type of connection on their staff? As I, I do, and, and, and it doesn't matter whether it's Maryland or Duke or any place. I think you need someone on the staff who can say to recruits and then to players when they're, you know, in school, hey, I know what it's like here. Mm-hmm. I know why you want to come here. I know... Uh, what Maryland can be, what Maryland has been. Uh, I know what you're going through academically. One of the things that gets lost sometimes is Maryland's become a very good academic school. No question. In the last 20 years, it, it, and and it, much much, you know, it's one of the better state schools now. And um, so kids actually, 
you know, if they're not going to be one and done, kids actually have to kind of study uh, to, to keep up in school. And that, that's a part of it, should be a part of it. Um, so, yes, I absolutely think that Kevin should uh, hire uh, an alum um, to be on his staff right away. He is John Feinstein. Of course, he's with us here on GCR. If you haven't picked up Raise a Fist, Take a Knee, I would encourage you to do that right now. We'll link it up on the, to Amazon on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, John, as far as the tournament itself is concerned, is there anyone whose opinion you've changed? I mean, I, maybe outside of, obviously, St. Peter's. <laughs> I mean, like that's the dumb one, right? But is there anyone whose opinion you've changed significantly about after watching them for a couple of rounds, like somebody maybe you didn't believe was a title threat that all of a sudden you're like, you know, this this could be a team that could figure out a way to win four more games. Well, I, I, actually, the team that surprised me the most that I saw in person over the weekend was Illinois. They were just very disappointing. They should have lost the first round, mm -hmm. and they were beaten badly in the, in the second round by a good Houston team. I don't think it's a Houston team that can necessarily win the national championship, but it, it, it's a good team. The the other the, the the other two teams that have really surprised me um, uh, are both ACC teams, Carolina and Maryland. Um, Miami, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, Miami. Yeah, excuse okay. me, Freudian yeah. slip. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, Carolina has been such a Jekyll Hyde team all right. year, and we saw that in the Baylor game. I mean, for 30 minutes, they crushed Baylor. Baylor's not nearly as good as they were a year ago when they were the national champions. Um, but they were still very good, good enough to get a one seed, although I frankly thought they should have been a two, but that, who cares? Um, but, and then they fell apart and then got their act together in the overtime and, and won fairly easily after blowing the 25-point lead. And I think they've got as good a chance to come out of the East Regional as anybody playing uh, because it is wide open. Kentucky got beat, um, and uh, Baylor's gone, obviously. So the top two seeds are gone. And Carolina, I think, has a, a real shot. You know, a team that finished, what, fourth, third in the ACC, what was considered a down ACC, that could go to the Final Four. Um, they've gone to the Final Four as an AC before, by the way. Bill Guthridge That's did right. it in 2000. That's right. And then Miami, um, which uh, is one of the oldest teams in the country and has one of the best coaches in the country who rarely gets noticed at, since he went to Miami. Jim Laranega made his, his name when he was at George Mason when he went to the Final Four. But the guy's a hell of a coach, um, and and they they beat Auburn easily last night. Yep. And again, um, I I think they they've got a shot too to go to the Final Four, although they would have to go through Purdue. But Purdue was last in the Final Four in 1980. Uh, Jaden Ivey, man, though, like I I know it's I know it's foolish as you point out, John. It's foolish to believe in Purdue because they're gonna let you down. But boy, that kid, man, the the no, ball, the balls on that kid last night were were unbelievable. No, he's terrific. And look, I think Matt Painter's a really good coach. Yeah. Gene Cady was a really good coach. Of course. Never made the of final course. four. Yep. Uh, sometimes it's luck. I mean, you remember three years ago, Virginia needed a miracle play to put that game into overtime. Yep. Uh, that Kehay Clark went and tracked the ball down uh, in the back court, and, and you know they the shot. And, got off, I, I can't remember whose fingertips it was now, but with like a tenth of a second ago. Yep. And then Virginia goes on and wins the national championship. So to, for me or you or anybody to say, oh, Purdue can't make the Final Four is ridiculous. They're good. And Matt's good coach. And Ivy's really good. But it, it, yeah, again, 40 minutes, as St. Peter's has now proven twice and proved emphatically on Thursday night, anything can happen. 
I feel like uh, since I have you, I should probably ask you. We haven't had a chance yet to talk because Maryland hired a coach. We haven't had a chance yet to really talk about the Deshaun Watson thing. Um, I, I'm I, I I thought the Brown statements were utterly embarrassing. I mean, like I just what what, what are you doing? If you're just gonna say nothing, say nothing, right? Like you don't need to you don't need to put out uh, a thousand words that doesn't mean anything at all. Um, I I also struggle with the. I said this a billion times. I don't know that you can forcibly prevent someone from staying out of the league. And I, I, well, they did it with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, you know what? You're 100 percent right. My God, <laughs> ironic that we're talking about raise a fist, take a knee. Holy crap! You're a thousand percent right. They can forcibly prevent someone from staying in the league. You're a thousand percent accurate. Um, where, where are you with your thoughts about Deshaun Watson? Getting well, him? first of all, you're right about the Browns. Uh, I mean, how embarrassing was it when they say we we thoroughly vetted him, and then the lawyer for the women was like, "Yeah, you didn't talk to us." Yeah. Nobody ever called me. I mean, that it's sort of like when Iona said they thoroughly vetted Rick Pitino, and I and I said, "Who did you vet him with? His wife?" Right. Actually, she might not be that good a person to vet him with. Come to think of of it, but um, yeah, you, the Browns just should have. Sometimes, why can't people be honest and just say, "Hey, he's a hell of a player." Yep. And we think he can take us to another level beyond where Baker Mayfield has taken us. And, you know, if he gets suspended, if he um, ends up, you know, paying off a lot of money in a civil suit, we know he's not going to jail. So we, we're pretty sure other than an NFL suspension. And Roger Goodell tends not to come down that hard on stars uh, when, when, he, when he's had to. Um, but uh, even if they face that, he signed, what, a four-year contract. He's still a young player. Um, that's why we got him. We don't care what kind of person he is or is not. We just think, care that he's a terrific quarterback. But all this stuff that he's freaking Mother Teresa for crying out loud, please shut up. It's a bit much. It's way more than a bit much. It's yeah. embarrassing. It's, it, it is embarrassing, it's so and, embarrassing. But gee whiz, Glenn, yeah. are we shocked no, that the NFL not, has not, an embarrassment on its not hands? Not remotely. Have you heard the name Dan Snyder lately? Yeah. No. I try, that it's you and I have talked about it a million times, John. I, I that one makes less sense to me because as I've said to you a million times before, there's somebody else. That's a that's a that's a wealthy individual that's willing to help the owners protect the owners and make money for you. There's no need that it has to be Dan Snyder. They're afraid of him because he's so litigious. That's why they have uh, it's that simple. It's and so you're 100% right, of course, about that. And the league would be much better off, short term and long term, if if they got him out. All that all you need is the owners to get together in a room and 24 of them to say bye bye, and he's got to sell the team. I, I, I actually, in a weird way, understand the Deshaun Watson thing more because I sort of get where the Browns say, "Look, we're desperate." We're, we're well, he's a very good player. Yes, he's really Dan's good. A terrible owner. And if and if he's going to be allowed to play somewhere, then we'd like to have him. I'm glad. You know, I said this about Tyreek Hill for years. I'm really glad. I didn't never wanted the Ravens to be in on Antonio Brown. I read those text messages. I, I, there's no chance. I can't have that guy be on the football team that I've got to talk about every day, even if I'm not necessarily a fan the way that I was once upon a time. Um, I, I, don't, I never wanted Tyreek Hill to be on my football team. Right. Um, I, I, I'm glad that it ain't this, you know, Deshaun Watson coming to Baltimore. You know what I mean? Like, well, I want you've that already to be the got case. a pretty good quarterback in Baltimore. Well, there's yeah, a whole right. other thing there where apparently yeah. they can't get a deal done with Lamar Jackson and John, and that's really a frustrating topic that we'll be able to talk about again in a couple of days because we won't be talking about Kevin Willard anymore. What can I, what can I plug for you? I don't want to keep you all day. What can oh, I plug well, for you? Oh, well, you mentioned raise a fist, take a knee, which I, I really appreciate. Um, 
I said to you when you had me on to talk about it that it, it, I think it's the most important book I've ever written because of the subject, because race is the elephant in the room in our country and has been for 400 years, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and the guys I talked to were incredibly cooperative, and Doug Williams wrote the foreword for me. And i got, I got to tell you, Glenn, it's not my best-selling book, but it may have gotten the best reviews I've ever gotten. Yeah. Yeah, despite the fact that uh, it wasn't easy for you to get it published, which is no, you're, uh, you're right. It, a whole it, other it, state. There were, you know, a lot of publishers are, are gun shy on the subject, and that's because it is such a controversial sub subject. At Jay Feinstein Books, of course, is how you follow him. John, you're going to be stunned to know that there are Maryland fans who want to fight with you on, on Twitter. You, I know this is going to be really stunning for you, that uh, there will be people that are it's already... the first. Yeah, right? They're in your mentions and ready to get after you. Always appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Hey, My pleasure, I, 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 you know what? I, I really want to thank you. I read your uh, uh, Griff Aldrich story before I had him on last week, and uh, my God. I, there are things about him I did not know even from when uh, he was at UMBC, and so yeah. you helped me a lot in preparing well, for him. My pleasure. Interview. He's a unique story. He's and, cool. And, and a really good guy, too. He's cool. Thank you, John. Appreciate right, you. Take care. John Feinstein, always good to us. Thank you to him for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning and chatting a little bit more about Kevin Willard. First hour of the show is already in the books. We are flying along on a Monday edition of the program. If you haven't picked up, we've been talking a lot about Maryland basketball. Of course, Kevin Willard will try to get them where they once were with Gary Williams 20 years ago, and we celebrate that 20th anniversary on the cover. Gary Williams, of course, leading Maryland the national championship, a very special issue celebrating that 20th anniversary. Available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and in the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox or read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. If we can take a break, I'd like to take a break. Pat Kennedy's going to join us. We'll get his thoughts. Jeremy Kahn's still coming up this hour. I think John Fanta from um, Fox Sports and the Big East Network might check in. Um, he's had a long-term uh, friendship with uh, Kevin Willard, so... Got a lot to do this morning as we continue to react. Maryland's got a new basketball coach. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help. Running in when others run away. Working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people. People like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. 
Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley. And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash Sports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, a couple things real quick. Apparently, I might have been wrong about the there being a radio broadcast uh, today. Uh, in talk, I got a message from somebody who says, no, that was a mistake on a tweet that was sent earlier. There is no broadcast for today. So, sorry, I apologize, but not as much as they should be apologizing for the fact that you can't really watch all right anyway that's a conversation for a different day also um from tony tony says uh glenn as far as pat ricard is concerned do you think that about does it is there any hope now that they could bring back Darius smith um I, I haven't seen the money yet on pat ricard so i need to see that in order to, in order to have a better feel for that i thought the Darius smith thing was probably dead in the water when things went the way they did if you saw the report from pro football talk over the weekend that um they basically agreed to a deal, and then they just sent back another deal. I, I just always thought it was going to be unlikely the Ravens would go back there at that point. So, you know, if you've been holding out for Darius Smith, I, I just don't think that's going to end up panning out. All right, into hour number two of today's show. It's also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. You should be playing Underdog. they got so many great games. Feel like you're betting, even though you can't yet bet on your phone or on your computer here in the state of Maryland. You can absolutely get that same vibe from playing player prop games, parlays, things along those lines with Underdog Fantasy Football. Use the code PRESSBOX when you make your first deposit. We'll match you up to $100. Download the Underdog app or go to underdogfantasy.com. Always appreciate the opportunity to talk hoops with the next guest. He, of course, is always willing to make time for us to talk some tournament and talk about Maryland's new basketball coach. He is the head, former head coach at Towson University as well as Montana and DePaul and Florida State and Iona. There's some interesting synergy there. He is our friend, Mr. Pat Kennedy. He's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Paul. It's always good to catch up. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Hey, guys. Great to be with you. Um, your reaction when you heard that Maryland was zeroing in on Kevin Willard as their next basketball coach? Well, you got to remember that uh, they uh, – Zeroed in really first with Rick Pitino, and I know that firsthand. So, and and Rick's guy is Kevin Willard, 
uh, you know, Rick Pitino's best friend is Ralph Willard. Uh, Ralph and Rick played together in high school, and uh, Ralph was always with Rick at Louisville after he had semi-retired from coaching at Pitt. So the connection between the Patinos and the Willards is uh, extremely, extremely close. So uh, Rick's guys have always been successful. I think it was a good recommendation on Rick's part. Uh, I'm not just saying it's because he got the job, but I love Kevin Willard. Uh, Kevin Willard reminds you of a young Tom Izzo. Mm. Uh, I think he's going to do great at Maryland. Um, uh, and not deterge, you know, screwed it up or anything like that. Because, uh, you know, Maryland's still Maryland. It's a great job, a great location. Georgetown is down. But Kevin Willard's going to step in and just put his footprint on the on the job. He is a terrific coach, terrific system. He's going to take his system of recruiting and coaching into Maryland. Uh, and I think he'll be highly successful. Uh, Coach, he did plenty of winning at Seton Hall. The knock on Kevin Willard, he's 1-5 in his career in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, of course, that was the knock on Mark Turgeon here at Maryland. He did lots of winning, but but didn't really win much when the season uh, reached its most important moments. I- is it fair for you to think that, given what he did at a place like Seton Hall, that with more resources now at a place like Maryland – there should be an expectation that that could translate to greater success, specifically postseason success. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and also, you know, you have to look at the, the coach of Providence, for example. He had never won an NCAA tournament game, right? And, and now, obviously, he's still alive, and he's going to have his, his point in time because he's put a great system in Providence, and the guy can coach. Um, so I don't think there's any doubt about it. Kevin Willard, can, he can flat-out coach. Now, how far he'll take it will depend on how good of players they recruit. If they recruit pro-level players, if they recruit NBA-level players, uh, then they will advance uh, in the NCAA tournament. So I, I think that's a tough metrics to put on a coach that, you know, you've only won one tournament game or two tournament games. You know, I've, I've coached in the NCAA tournament eight times and went to the Sweet 16 and Final Eight and um, – a lot of times it's the draws that you mm-hmm. get. You got to be fortunate. You got to be lucky. Um, but I would not. Uh, I would not equate Kevin Willard's uh, ability as a as a coach. I, I mentioned to people way back when 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 Turge left that you know Kevin Willard would be perfect for Maryland. Interesting. Uh, I, and it, it ended up coming down to that. Um, and I'm not just saying that, but um, yeah. So I think you can't judge it by the NCAA tournaments. I think that's hard metrics. You know what it takes to succeed in a place like this. You know the the type of personality you have to have. You, of course, have kind of a similar background, right? Um, Do you think knowing about where Kevin is from, his personality, that he is the right fix? He has that, you know, I I try to say this the right way, Coach, that um, I'm not trying to take a shot at Mark Turgeon, but that Midwestern kind of style was never a great play at the University of Maryland and in this region, do you think Kevin Willard's personality is a better fit at a place like Maryland, maybe? Yeah, well, you know, Kevin is is more of an East Coast guy, uh, obviously. Uh, played for uh, at Louisville for Rick Pitino, and he's, his dad was at Pitt. He played at Pitt. Um, you know, he's coached on the East Coast. He was head coach at Iona. Um, so he knows the East Coast. And, um yeah, so I think that's a very good point. Um, now, the world's changed. You know, in the old days, it was great to go out and, and see, a, see a guy like Gary Williams out amongst the people, uh, glad-handing a little bit and having a few beers with everybody, et cetera, et cetera. But those days are over with. 
<laughs> sure, sure. Coaches have just got to coach and win. You know, I mean, it, it, it's as simple as that. You got the portal. You're going to have to pull guys, you know, and you got, your guys are going to go in the portal. You got to pull guys out of the portal. And the only thing that, 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 that justifies anything anymore is simply winning. I mean, even, you know, you take a look at a guy like Bruce Pearl who bounced around with the difficulties and problems he had, but he's the wealthiest coach in college basketball. Right, right. Having been found cheating twice. <laughs> Not once, but twice. And uh, his job is secure for life. He's so it's the whole... The whole background of it has changed, and uh, you have to coach to your personality. Now, I will say this. Kevin's a great guy. I mean, the people there will like him. Kevin will fit in well. Um, you know, he's a great golfer. <laughs> uh, he's, he's fun to be with. Um, so I, I think he's going to be a terrific fit there. He is Pat Kennedy is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Coach, let me uh, let me shift, if I could, uh, talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament. I'm going to throw you the same question I just threw Feinstein a second ago. Uh, is there a team that now after one weekend, maybe at first you didn't think was a team that had a chance to make a run to a national championship that all of a sudden you're looking at and saying, you know what, maybe they, they could do this. Maybe the way things are broken for them or what I've seen from them, they might be a team that could end up cutting down the nets when this is over. Yeah, it's very, very interesting you say because it's, it's been a great tournament. There's been great games. Um, you know, the way that uh, Arizona was tested last night by TCU, the way Gonzaga was tested. Uh, but now having looked at uh, the different teams, the way they've played, uh, the way they've, they came out of the year, I think Miami would be a team I would wow. not want to have to play. Wow. Uh, Jimmy Laranega has great experience in the NCAA tournament. Uh, his kids have really blossomed over the course of the year. Uh, the way that they beat, I mean, how many people had Auburn going to the Final Four? Oh, well, just about uh, everybody, and, right? Uh, yeah. I, thought, I thought they beat Auburn, from, you know, handily. So uh, Miami would be somebody that I would be a little nervous about. And could they get to the Final Four? Yeah, I think Miami could get to the Final Four. I'm starting to think about Carolina again, Coach. Like, I'm starting to look at them and say, man, they've – now, to, to handle things the way they did, even after blowing a 25-point lead against Baylor, the fact they've now beat both Baylor and Duke in recent weeks, like I, they've got a ton of talent. We knew they had a ton of talent. It was just where they could put it all together. I started. I have to look at Carolina a little bit more, especially with with you know Kentucky also being out in that region. And it looks kind of wide open down there. I I can't ignore them at this point. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree with you, and. Uh... The way they played against Duke, and you saw Duke bounce back and play well against a very gamey, uh, you know, Michigan State team. Uh, I, I mean, I, I I think that Carolina. The only thing I didn't like about Carolina was the way they lost that lead. Uh, when they lost that lead, they looked very vulnerable in a one-game tournament. Um, so I would be still be a little nervous about that. And they can go to great highs and they can go to great lows, and we've seen that, and and they know that. And I think Hubert Davis is improving every game as a coach, quite frankly. I think he's going to end up doing fine there at Carolina. Um, but I, I would still be a little bit nervous about the way that they allowed that comeback to develop the other night. That that certainly sure. showed some weaknesses. But wouldn't shock, I mean, talent-wise, yeah. I mean, you know, they're a big kid in the middle. He, he makes a difference on both ends. I mean, it wouldn't shock if one guard really starts to light it up. Uh, gives him a Davis. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if if they if they got there at all. That, that, that's a pretty good pick. 
All right, and then the one, I feel like the one topic that's popped up, particularly because of what we saw at the end of uh, regulation last night in the Arizona game, there's been talk about maybe whether college basketball needs to adopt the kind of coaches challenge system that the NBA has. And it's not, it, it, I, the thing I don't like about a coach is it's sort of like wonky. It's, it's not quite like the NFL system where, you know, you can kind of obviously see if somebody got a foot down or not, or you can kind of obviously see a, a few things. It seems like you still are left with a lot of judgments. And even when you do the coach's challenge, was something a foul? Wasn't a foul? There, there's an amount of opinion that's involved with that. But what do you make of the argument that perhaps college basketball should move towards a system where coaches can challenge certain calls, like what appeared to be a pretty clear hip check there at the end of regulation last night that went uncalled and you know could have led seconds later to a, a walk-off for Arizona? Obviously, they ended up winning in overtime anyway. Yeah. Well, let me let me let me just say this. I think that. That's the one thing that would be extremely difficult uh, to get uh, correct. Um, so, so let's let's take in the last two minutes where they can take a look at the out of bounds. Now, think about this, guys, because you've followed it for many years too. Think about before they had that rule. How many mistakes do you think were made? <laughs> right when when at every game there's X number of uh oh it's under two the ball went out of bounds let's check and see who was off. Well, how the hell did we do that before that rule was in place? Right. You know, we kind of went. Now, I think that has correctly corrected something that needed to be corrected. But when you start getting into the judgment of a foul, now you guys have seen this. And when I was a coach, I used to bitch about this all the time. Your guy drives the ball to the basket and he gets killed. He ends up on his back. You guys have seen it a million times. Mm -hmm. And you're saying to yourself, how can that not be a foul? Right. And as a coach, I'm yelling at the ref, come on. He put him on his back. And the ref says, well, it was equal contact. I think that the offensive player created the contact as well as the defensive. So I'm going to make it a neutral call and not make a call. So when you get down to fouls and you're trying to judge in traffic, two big guys beating the crap out right. of each other. Right. When does it become a foul? When does it not? College basketball is much more physical than the NBA. I mean, in college basketball, to me, there's if you if you called it by by the strictness of the rule, there'd be a foul. At least twenty five, right. thirty fouls that are missed every it's game. It's sort of like holding in football. It, it just it happens all right. the time. Right. I mean, how how in the world do you do you, do you call holding in football? That's an absolute great analogy, and uh, it's the same thing. I just don't think you can do that when it comes to fouls. Now, could you do that if it was a walking violation? Yes. Could you do it if it's a goaltending? Yes. But when it comes to a foul, I don't know which word is correct. It's, it's very subjective or objective by the referees, uh, period. And um, I don't know how you can correct that. That's one judgment that in a game of basketball will always like, you know how split second, the split second is on the charge? Are you kidding me? Right. I mean, so right. tough. I, I think that would be tough to really make better. You know, the out of bounds we've made better. I don't know that we can make the, uh, the the foul situation any better. I, you know, I think it's a very fair point. I certainly understand why the coaches might like to have the option still to challenge something and say, "Oh yeah, no, you know, I, yeah, I agree with that." But you're but you're 100 percent right. Whereas it's it, and I you see it all the time in the NBA where you look at something. I was watching like the Celtics Mavericks game a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, "That's obviously a foul." 
And they go back and they look at it again on replay and they're like, nope, no foul, play on. I'm like, I, I got nothing. Yeah, I got, I, I can't, yeah. I, I got nothing. Pat Kennedy. Yeah, that's a, and that, so that judgment is still there in, in, in the game of basketball. I, I, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt, and it's going to exist forever. And, and look, ultimately, we got a pretty thrilling game last night. Uh, whatever, whatever your opinion of what happened on the final couple of seconds of regulation is. There's also the part of me, Pat, that at the end of that game, the defense from Arizona was so good on that possession, I'm almost glad they didn't call a foul because I'm like, man, it felt like they would have gotten so bailed out by there being a foul called there just because the defense was so insanely good when TCU got yeah, the ball back yeah, at the end of regula- yeah, regulation. Think about think about uh, uh, in, in you know pass interference. I mean, right? Same, oh, same thing. No question. Yeah, so, yeah. They tried yeah. they tried to make that reviewable, and then they got rid of that quickly because they were like, "Yep, this doesn't work. We yeah. can't review this. Yeah, no, that's yeah, too much of a judgment. Call. No question. Pat Kennedy, always appreciate. It. Let's catch up again next week. All right. Yeah, call me, guys. Love to talk. Thank you, Coach. Really appreciate you taking the time. All right, guys. Bye, bye. Pat Kennedy, former Towson coach, checking in with us. Giving us his thoughts not only on uh, Kevin Willard, but obviously the NCAA tournament. What an insane game that was last night. I actually sat down and watched that game the entire second half. Look at you. I'm I'm watching the game. I'm flipping back and forth between that and Purdue. And that TCU game was sloppy. I'm watching and I'm like, these teams aren't good. I, I, I get that they're good, but uh, they are okay. They, they're they're good, but what I was watching, it, they were playing too fast for their own good. It wasn't when people talk about how good of a basketball game it was. What they're really saying is it was a very entertaining. It was very entertaining basketball game. The quality of the basketball was okay. Like mm-hmm. it was okay to do a little bit more than okay. At times, it was exceptional, um, but for fleeting moments, it wasn't a classic. Mono a mono, you know, playmaker after playmaker. There was a lot of sloppy involved in that basketball game. It just so happened to be that they were evenly sloppy, which meant for you know Styles make fights. It was mm-hmm. a great fight. I think that's our buddy Ron and Owings Mills. It was a great fight between these two teams. Eddie Lampkin underneath for TCU was killing it. Um, well, what's his face? Uh, uh, Benedict. Oh my God! Why can't I not think of his last name for Arizona? Benedict uh, Cumberbatch. No, it's not Benedict Cumberbatch. Matherin. Jesus Christ! Um, it was amazing. It, it, it was a. It was great theater. Was what it was. But that final possession that's being over and overly yeah. scrutinized. I, I I said it exactly the way that I feel. I feel like the basketball gods managed to get all of this right mm-hmm. because the defense from Arizona was so good that you hate the idea of TCU being bailed out by a foul call. Mm -hmm. Was it a foul? Yeah, it was a foul. The point was made that he might actually have already technically been in the backcourt before the contact occurred, so they could have called a backcourt without calling the foul. And someone would argue, well, it had to be one or the other because the dude ended up in the backcourt he was either fouled to get into the backcourt or he went into the backcourt. It needed to either – it couldn't just be called nothing. Mm-hmm. And so the officials definitely got it wrong, right? But my basketball god opinion about the entire scenario is I'm completely good with how it played out. This is a ball-don't-lie type of situation to me. There shouldn't have been a foul called because you don't want someone that's so trapped with defense so good to be bailed out by a foul that, that, yes, happened but shouldn't have happened. And at the same time, you don't want Arizona to win the game because of an uncalled foul. Mm-hmm. So I was completely fine with how the basketball gods allowed all that to play out, which is the insane scenario where the kid just doesn't let, you know, was it Terry, I think, doesn't let the ball go. It goes for the dunk instead of the layup. Just, just let, release that three-tenths of a second later and you're good. 
But I think that was the basketball god mm-hmm. stepping in and intervening to make sure they didn't win the game directly off of a missed foul call. And so in the, in the weird way, despite the fact that I know the officials got multiple things wrong there, I'm good with how it all played out. Mm-hmm. The nature of the basketball that occurred, that's what should have happened. We just should have gone on to overtime, played five more minutes, where ultimately Arizona got their act together. And I mean, clearly got really pushed, but you're reminded they're really good, and um, they're a legit threat to win the national championship. By the way, I'm pretty sure my bracket is just done. Uh, I'm, I'm my bracket. See, this is the funny thing. I'm I'm in terrible position in our bracket contest. Like I'm something like 36th out of 50, mm-hmm. but there's only two of us that took Villanova, and the other one was John Colson, and he's already missing half of his Final Four. I've got all of my Final Four teams still in play. So as bad as it is right now, if Villanova wins the national championship, I still feel pretty good about my chances, but it's got to require Villanova winning the national championship. Ron's in Owings Mills. We've got a couple minutes for him this morning. Ron, what's going on, pal? How are you? Good morning, Glenn. Uh, thanks for giving me a few minutes. Um, good show. I've been listening for the whole, uh, most of the show, and you've hit on a lot of it. Um, I think um, I, we need to wait and see, obviously, because you know, we did this with Turgeon. It failed, and um, that's why, to me, there was no safe thing I mean, Rick Pitino to me is the, is a very sure thing. I understand the the concerns and the baggage. I get the whole thing. Whether he wanted it, I don't know. I'd be curious. By the way, I've I've act- talked to more and more people that are convinced that Rick Pitino was just not that that he's being completely honest about. He just wants to yeah. finish his life where he is. He's a grandparent. He he's just good. He's 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 done now. Somebody would say, "Well, there's always an amount of money that can change your mind." Maryland was never paying that amount of money to anybody. They don't have it. They, right. they they don't have that money, so right. Yeah, no. I mean, I'd just be curious to know who they actually went after. I'd like to find that out. But regardless, um, he has my support, Kevin Willard. Um, I think there are some positives. I mean, we all know Seton Hall isn't Maryland. It's not the easiest place to recruit. Um, he has a good, higher winning percentage than Turgeon against top twenty-five teams, which I like. I like the fact that he's known as a guy that will schedule well, mm-hmm. um, which to you you agree. You've talked about this, Glenn, mm-hmm. and you've, you've agreed with me that that's been an issue. Um, I like that he's an East Coast guy. I, I'm not discriminating against West Coast guys. I, I just, to me, he, he I think he kind of understands the deal a little bit better, at sure. least in the interview, was explained that, look, this is not... Our fans were passionate. We will support you, but the, you're not going to just be handed blind support. Yes, the, ti- the title coach does not make you a god figure. Right. Right. And so, look, um, you had the tournament thing. I didn't want. I'm not going to lie to you and say I watched them in the tournament. Those six games, I have no idea. I think he was probably not favored in a lot of them, um, but. To be determined on that. I'm not going to judge him harshly. It is what it is. I know the fans will say one and five. He's got to just prove that. That's just the bottom yep. line. Yep. I don't. Um. My only thing is the reports now are saying it's a seven-year deal. Yeah. So I just saw that. That's from Jeff Ehrman inside NDSports.com, who says the initial report on his contract inaccurate. He says per his source, seven-year deal worth starting at three point nine million this year, and then a one hundred thousand dollar escalator each season. So he says it's worth twenty nine point four million total. That's um that's a long deal. I'd have to, but but that, you know the buyout is what matters there, right? Like we'd have to know the buyout details because the one thing that I said, and you know, Ron, I I don't think they can have as long a leash with um Kevin Willard as they did with Mark Turgeon. So I I would just have to know the buyout figures in terms of whether or not it matters if it's really a seven year deal. 
so seven years shows confidence. Um, I just, to me, yeah, I, I agree. We don't know. We, there's not enough information with that because the buyout thing is the key. Um, I'm not trying to like say, but you just need to know that because in college basketball, it takes one to two years. Honestly, we can't judge it. I mean, it's hard. Just you can turn around quicker with the transfer portal, but I'm gonna to give him the most fair evaluation as a fan. I'm giving him one to two years, like I did, Mark. But in three or four years, I'm going to know exactly what I have. Uh, that's why with the seven years, the key is the buyout thing, Len. But um, I, I'm willing to give him my support. It's done. It's over. Yep, like, yep. he's the no coach. More, there's no it... more going back. Yep. So, no, no. Whoever, it's look. I get why you're interested, but whoever else they were in talks with, it's irrelevant. They got a basketball coach now, and they got to figure out if they got the right guy, and and we'll find out in the next. Well, you and I will probably be talking about it plenty in the coming years. Rob. Absolutely. Will you be going tomorrow? I know it's open to the public. I am the, not sure yet. I there was another event I was supposed to do tomorrow night, and so I six okay. o'clock is a real rough time for a press conference. But yeah. I'm, I'm 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 looking at it. I'd like to be there. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm I'm not. Okay. I'm just not sure. Well, if I don't see you there, I'll see you at the city. I'm sure, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking. Yeah, we about can talk. This. We can it's talk more Taylor Fritz. We can talk yeah. about that. Yeah. I'm, ex- I'm. I think I'm excited. I wanted Nadal to win. I'm not going to lie. About did, that. Did, was curious that were you the one in the crowd that curious <laughs> going after your <laughs> bench? It wasn't me. My buddy Greg Rosenthal got out to watch some of the uh, Indian Wells over the last couple of weeks. He was really disappointed right. about uh, Alcaraz, who played a hell of a match against Nadal. But all right, that's uh, that's for you and I to talk about another day. All right, buddy. Love you, buddy. Take care. There's Ron Owings Mills. Always. Always happy to give him some time. He's one of my favorites. All right, we come back in. Jeremy Kahn's going to join us. Um, before we wrap up today, John Fanta from the Big East Network and Fox Sports 1 is going to check in. He's had a very unique relationship with Kevin Willard, so we'll talk to him about uh, the new Maryland coach as well. We are uh, moving right along on a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. It's also brought to you today. Sorry, I'm still dealing with the allergy, uh, the aftermath of... Uh, the, uh, the old allergy situation, and I'm trying to work my way through it. It's also brought to you today by Simply the Bets, which returns tomorrow morning, 11.40 a.m., and we're going to have weekend at bookies for you this week as well, Thursday morning, 11.40 a.m., to get you ready for the next rounds of the NCAA tournament. Make sure you're tuned in. It's all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right. We um, continue along on a Monday edition of GCR as we uh, continue to react to the hire of Kevin Willard at the University of Maryland. He will be their new basketball coach, and that's, that's the end of that conversation. He's the guy now moving forward. They will introduce him tomorrow night at a 6 p.m. press conference that is open to the public. And according to Jeff Ehrman of InsideMDSports.com, he is getting a seven-year deal. Today's show is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. I hope that you were able to enjoy some Glory Days Grill this weekend as you were hanging out and watching games. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website, and the St. Patrick's menu is available for the rest of the month. It doesn't go away just because we've gotten past St. Patrick's Day. It's available for the rest of the month. So you can get in there. You can try the smoky thigh wings with the Guinness grilling sauce. You can try the Reuben, the Rachel, the shepherd's pie with the Guinness braised beef. It's all available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Joining us now, as he does every Monday, let's spend a couple of minutes chatting with our buddy Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, The Big Bag Morning Show, and picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, so I got to tell you, dude, I was at the casino on Friday. I'm in the FanDuel Sportsbook, and this dude starts yelling for me. He's just screaming at me. He's like, hey, Glenn. And I'm like, what the hell? I turn around. He's like, tell Kahn he's having a good day, and it's about effing time he's having a good day. And he proceeded to show me on his phone where he had bet with you every day for the last couple of weeks. And I said, wow, wow, these people really do exist. Well, there, yeah, there's a bunch of them. And, and the hard part is, like, I had somebody sent me a text. And, I mean, you get to see the good and the bad. Like, I'm not hiding anything. I'm, you know, there's no, there's no paywall or anything. Um, and I had somebody text me. He's like, hey, man, are you really 5, 18, and 2 over the past three right, days? And, right. and I said, I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but yeah, I believe it because I had three like horrific days in a row and there's no way of getting around it. It just, it happens, you know, the same way that 
you're going to sit here and champion yourself when you when you sweep the board or you go eight and one and you right. feel great about yourself. Those days do happen. Yep. And to be honest, like the first weekend of March Madness, like Thursday was not kind. Friday was amazing. Saturday was, eh, you know, I, I had some tough breaks there. And even yesterday, or now all my days are running together. No, it was Saturday where I had the uh, St. Peter's under, and they fouled with, like, you know, no time on the clock, and the guy knocks down two free throws, so it goes over by a half a point. Yeah, some of those are brutal, but, yeah, you know, it happens. It but happens. It's, it's nice to, I always like knowing that people are involved and they're paying attention, even when I'm losing, because then they let me know that I've been losing. Exactly right. You're getting, you're getting your page clicks. You're getting your, uh, your money yeah. that way. That's the way that it works. Hey, I feel like this might be a good time for me to say, know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential <laughs> services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Um, in, in general, what did you make of the first weekend of the tournament, both from a gambling perspective and just, you know, alone from a basketball perspective? Well, yeah, so uh, two things. I, I always say this, and people, I, they, they roll their eyes and disagree with me. I think people like the idea of upsets more than they actually like them. Um, the ratings show that after the first weekend. Right. So when we have a 10 and a 7 in the Sweet 16, let's see what the viewership looks like on that game. But either way, like, I mean, it's fun. It, you can see that the transfer portal has taken effect. And like when you look at a team like Chattanooga that gets an upset in round one, uh, and I think they said they had seven D1 transfers go there. And then there's some names that you recognize that we didn't really talk about throughout the course of the regular season. The fact that Manic is on North Carolina now and transferred from Oklahoma and you know, he was a great player for OU, and then now you look at what he's doing for, for UNC. Um, you know, some of the other things that I noticed is that, like, people get caught up in the moment. Like, the ACC wasn't a good conference all year long. The fact that they have three in the Sweet 16, it doesn't change my mind on them. Uh, conversely, the same way that I don't look down on the Big Ten for their struggles, um, even though it's been a better conference all year long. The same thing with the SEC. We, we saw these upsets. It happened. Uh, but the SEC is not looking all that great going into the Sweet 16. So, and then the other thing that I want to point out is heading into these games, like Arizona's only a two and a half point favorite over Houston, um, and uh, who is it? Duke's an underdog to Texas Tech. So, a lot of telling things coming up this week uh, when we get to the Sweet 16. I mean, I, I really like Texas Tech, and I, I, yep. you know, I, look, we'll get there. We'll get there, and I'm sure you'll you'll have your picks, of course, at pressboxonline.com. We'll talk about it then. Hey, what what is your opinion of, uh, especially given, I don't know if you were able to stay up last night to watch the Arizona TCU thing, because you got to wake up at 1 in the morning. Um, no, I rewatched it this morning, so, or at least, like, the the, uh, the cliff notes. Uh, I mean, I tell people this all the time. My way of getting around prepping for the morning is I watch every game, uh, but I go to YouTube a lot of times. It'll pull up the condensed version, right? And right. Watch all the highlights. That's actually know, really so. smart. So there is an opinion, in part because of what happened at the end of regulation and other things we saw over the weekend, that college basketball needs to bring in what the NBA has in a coach's challenge system. And I, like the NBA system is to me is so wonky because this is like the pass interference thing. You can watch something eight times and have multiple different opinions yep. about something, right? I, it, it's not quite like looking at whether a player is out of bounds or not. I, I, I watched the end of the Mavericks-Celtics um, game two Sundays ago and was certain that there was a foul on a three-point attempt, and they went back and looked at it again, and they were like, well, no, we decided it's not. A, like, I, I just don't know. I, I get why coaches might want the system to be in place. Like, we want to be able to say, hey, Maybe we go look at that and not just let the game end like the way that it did last night in regulation. Maybe it will at least go look one more time and make sure we had it right. But 
I just I don't know that it's actually going to fix things because basketball is such a physical game and fouls are so subjective. I, I don't know that we're always going to get a consensus on what is a foul and what isn't. You know what's frustrating to me? So I don't I don't know that the I mean it'd be nice to have something and they always do it for the last couple of minutes. But let's be honest, like big things happen. Um, like one that I had sour grapes over is Illinois. Uh, Illinois was my top play yesterday. They got a steal oh the tech. And a I mean it's, it's nuts. And, it's yeah, nuts. And they called a tech on the kid. So the, and, and first off, I'm upset at the technical. But if you watch that game from start to finish, the refs just absolutely let them play. They were mauling each other the entire game. And I did, and look, I'm biased because I had Illinois. Um, I did feel like every 50-50 call went the way of Houston in that game, and it was just really frustrating. Any, any charge call, any ticky-tack reach-in, hell, I watched Kofi go up a couple of times, and it looked like guys were holding his shoulders as he's trying to go up for a layup and no call. But if you're going to let him play, you can't call a ticky-tack technical like that for a guy dunking a basketball. At the end of the Arizona game, that was clearly a foul. Um, but – you know, I'm happy because I have Arizona, but that being said, that was a foul. <laughs> yeah. They should have yep. called it, and I don't know why the whistle gets swallowed at certain times, and, and then at other times they're just blowing it left and right, but uh, there's no rhyme or reason for it. A guy's going to call it, and, and I tell my kids this when I'm coaching, like, they get frustrated, like, how do you not see that call? It's about, perce- uh, you know, position and perception. If, if the guy is perceiving you coming down, sometimes they're inherently going to blow the whistle, and once it's blown... I know this is a true thing in most things in life. It doesn't get unblown, you know. Right. <laughs> um, but, but, but with that being said, very rarely. Wait a second. Then what did what did my Bible study teacher tell me exactly? <laughs> I think that's different. <laughs> uh, stop. That's bad bid. Bad yeah. bid. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. No, I know. What you, I know what you mean, though. I completely understand it, and that's why. Look, I I still I can get where the coaches would say. That, I don't like the fact that coaches have to officiate the games in football, right? Like, my, my argument has always been, if it's close, you guys go figure it out and get it right and don't force the coaches to have to decide, hey, am I going to need this timeout later or not and risk getting the plays wrong? Like, I want the calls to be correct, so I would prefer the officials be the ones that do that and not the coaches. But the argument I always get that gets made back to me is, yeah, but the coaches, they want the right to say, hey, why aren't you looking at this? Go look at it again. They'll always want the system. And I don't know what would have happened if they if there was a coach's challenge in play. To your point, was it a foul? Yes, but there's been an argument made that maybe it should have been a backcourt even before it was a foul last night. Yeah. I, I don't know what would have ended up happening, but I could certainly see where at the end of that game, if the kid Terry had released the ball three-tenths of a second earlier and it had ended that way, that uh, Jamie Dixon would have said to himself, hey, I'd like to be able to challenge something here and maybe have you go back and look at it and not just say, nope, we're playing on, let's go to overtime. Absolutely. And, you know, I just – the hard part is you just want consistency, and it's it's an imperfect um, thing when you talk about refing games because, you know, it's – as you're looking at things, sometimes you're – I mean, it's got to be in the moment because how often do we get mad when there's a whistle and it's late? because the guy's trying to make a decision of what he thought he just saw. I mean, it's, yeah. you're talking about fractions of a second. And, you know, there are times where I'm watching it, and I've said this before, it won me more money than any other game. But when Virginia beat Texas Tech in the championship and they had the double tip where the ball was a guy's dribbling, gets knocked out of his hand, and it rolls off of his finger, even though the contact from the other player is what drove the ball to break free, they slow it down to a still frame or, or stop it and say, oh, 
look, it went off of his hand. No, it was already in his hand. Right. Like I've always argued about yeah, this. It's tough. my least favorite thing in sports. Yep. That there, ha- there should be a double touch. Like You should be reaching for it a second time. If someone knocks the ball out of your hand and you have possession, their contact is what knocked it free. Whether they poked it, whatever, it should not go against you going out of bounds. I've always disagreed with that. I, I, it, it drives me nuts. A couple times. It drives yeah. me nuts. We saw another one of those last night where I'm just like, look, I, I get it. That's legally what the rule is, but it's not the intent of the rule. <laughs> like the it intent is feel right. the intent is yeah. supposed to be who forced it out of bounds, who put the ball out of bounds. Okay, now it's your ball. I I completely get what you're saying. Yeah, and the other thing I had too is that people were coming at me because I I bitched about Kenny Smith picking UNC to win it all, and like now UNC's won two games, and I think there were like ten thousand. Like they had some like really long shot odds of winning it all. So. I complained about it. people were like, well, see, Kenny Smith was right. I was like, look, guys, you're, you're missing the point. He literally said on the broadcast, I can't pick against my team. Right. Which I, means he picks UNC every single year, correct. which is so ridiculous. Yes, he knew nothing. You can't be an analyst if you're going to do that. Well, there's, that's a bigger problem with what they're doing with their, their coverage, which is they admittedly yeah. they, they load up tables full of analysts who don't know who the players are on the team. It's like, it's a, it's well, a bigger problem. Or Rex Chapman, who doesn't know that Pete Gillen is, is, is still oh, alive. Well. <laughs> Like, I love Rex and too. Bob and Bob games. Huggins, who has the 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 entertainment value of uh, you know this this empty chair sitting right next to me. Like the, I I don't know what exactly their their plans have been for their broadcast, but it's not been loaded with people who really know anything about college basketball. And I love Charles Barkley. Nice. And I do. I love Kenny Smith on NBA on TN. I, I love those guys. Yes. But I, I'd be willing to bet you that between those two guys that they've watched maybe 10 college basketball of course. games in all this season. Of course. They just sort of yeah. accept this is who they are. We're here to giggle, giggle, laugh, laugh. I'm Charles Barkley. I don't have to know anything about college basketball because I – I can get away with that. And, look, I, I get it. We're all going to watch the tournament anyway. <laughs> like, yeah. we're going to do it, whether or not Charles Barkley is there. But, yeah, I, it's – all right, anyway. Um, we're, give me your thumbnail on Kevin Willard. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Like, he wasn't a guy that was – I didn't hear his name brought up all that much during this whole process. Um, Rob pointed out today that they want a Patino. Do you think Patino said, no, I'm good, and put in a good word for him because – Willard was a Patino guy. I'm still um, not convinced. I think that there were people that wanted Rick Patino. I did my own reporting on that. Rick Patino mm-hmm. was never going to be the coach at Maryland. The I didn't. The, I didn't like it. I didn't get it. Uh, I, I, like we're, we're we're mixing up that there are definitely people around Maryland who wanted Rick Patino. There's no question about that. And and I don't know if Rick Patino would have taken the job or not. But it it's kind of moot. The people that made the final decision at Maryland were never going to hire Rick Patino. It was never going to happen. Yes. But with, with Willard, you know, look, his, we found out this morning his nickname's the chiropractor because he's always making adjustments in-game, um, yeah. which, you know, I like that. I like a guy that's willing to do that. I think he's shown you he can, he can win, depending on what your definition of winning is, at Seton Hall. I don't think anybody has visions of grandeur that Seton Hall is going to go on and win a national championship, but I think people here in Maryland think the Terps can, and you have a great recruiting spot right in your backyard, so find as many of these kids, keep them in-house as you can, or keep them in-state, I guess you could say, um, and see what happens. But I, I've been saying you, you really need to give this guy a year or two, even with the transfer portal stuff, because he's coming in late. We'll see if any of his recruits from Seton Hall decide that they want to come to Maryland um, and vice versa. So we'll have to hit the transfer portal, see what's going on with some of these players, and take an honest look at his team. Like He may not like the people he has in position on the team right now and may want to, I hate saying it this way, weed some of the guys out and get his own guys in here. So, I think we just need to let the chips fall where they may and see what he does and then reevaluate and 
you know a year or two to see what kind of coach we have. I'm I'm largely fine with it. I'm large. This is what Maryland could do. Like that. This is the coach that I would have liked for them to get Eric Musselman. They couldn't get Eric Musselman. That wasn't an option. They they got the guy they could get. He's a qualified coach. It's a fine hire. Is is he a slam dunk? Of course not. If somebody was a slam dunk, they probably wouldn't be coming to Maryland right now. Like that's yep. it's it's the part that we we want to cheat the system and and know that the guy that we're hiring is definitely going to be a national champion. Well, if we knew that, they probably wouldn't be looking for a job at the moment. Um, yeah, you're, you're trying to find a guy that you think can. They think Kevin Willard can. There's some evidence that says he could be a guy that could ascend. Is it a guarantee? No, not a chance. Right? Like we got to see what happens in the next couple of years. But at the end of the day, I. You know, the, the idea of being upset or disappointed in hiring Kevin Willard, you're, it only happens because you you have your your own thought process is completely out of whack about what it is that Maryland was going to do in this process. Yeah. You, uh, and I, I don't know why that, that it, it is that way, too. Like, you know, people were falling in love with names. And, and maybe we do look at Maryland as a better gig than what it is. Maybe it needs to be reestablished. Um, you know, I was hearing stuff about you know, Scott Drew at Baylor, would he be leaving? And I'm like, man, you're a number one seed. You're yeah. at a, you're in a conference. You're Just dominating. You won the it. national they, championship they, a year ago. Yeah. So, like, where is he going to go that's going to be a better situation for right. him? Like, I, I heard some of that stuff, which, uh, you know, kind of surprised me. I think Maryland is a really good job, but I think we need to get it back to that point. Whether or not it, it ends up being Willard's the guy that takes us back to, you know, the promised land, and, and depending on what people consider that, like, some people are happy with just getting the tournament and winning a couple games. Some people expect championships, which they've only had one, and that was kind of a crazy year and how that was put together. So um, the game's totally changed, but I guess we'll see what, what Willard does when he, when he gets here. Um, I'm interested to hear like you know his press conference and uh, kind of see some of the moves he makes. Uh, you recovered from the sadness of the Orioles being outbid for Carlos Correa, and, and obviously <laughs> you recovered from that yet? It's, yeah. Yeah, okay. Now look, I, it was one of those pipe dreams that it really didn't make sense in the grand scheme of things of what they're doing to bring them in. But if they had signed it, it would make me feel better about where they're at. Ironically, like if they went out and spent money, they must feel like they're closer. Right. But as I look at every single team in the AL East getting better, maybe we're a little bit further away than where we want to be to be competitive year in and year out. Because I mean, hell, when you look at the Red Sox, they were in on Freeman. They wind up with Trevor story. Oh, woe is me. I ended up with a multiple time all-star that's going to switch positions that steals bases and hits, you know, well over 300 and has power to all fields. Yeah, no big deal. Um, the Yankees getting better in what they've done. We saw what the Jays have done, and they've got some young prospects that are on their way as well. And the Rays business model keeps working out until they have a failed trade. So, um, yeah, right now you're behind the eight ball. But uh, there is some excitement, though, I think, with the Orioles and some of these prospects. Like Grayson Rodriguez is going to pitch today. And um, when does Adley Rutschman, uh, you know, when does, first off, now when does he get healthy? Right. You're saying a couple weeks. But, would he have been on the opening day roster? Would he still, like, are they thinking about that at all? And, you know, we all heard rumors that that was a possibility. But I, I think those things are exciting, and I'm not – they seem like small wins when you're telling fans, like, yeah, get ready for these prospects that are coming up when all people really care about are wins and losses. Uh, Jeremy, I got to squeeze somebody else in here before I wrap up the day, and I'm sorry we only talked about sports today. I promise we won't continue yeah. to do that every week. I know it's a really Gross. dumb, dumb concept. What's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? So we're all together this week. We'll be uh, focusing in on the Sweet 16, obviously talking about the Willard signing or, you know, the hiring there. And then, of course, where do the Ravens go after this? Drafts right around the corner. So lots to talk about that as well. At JeremyCon1057 on Twitter. And, of course, picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Always appreciate you, pal. Thanks for taking the time this morning. Thanks, guys.
Jeremy Khan joining us as he does every Monday here on GCR. We continue on what has been a very busy Monday edition of the show. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Yeah, Carlos Correa ended up going to the Minnesota Twins. Again, lost in the shuffle of so much going on this morning. Didn't spend any time. Uh, Ultimately, they gave him the outs, as we said all along. The Orioles could never have done that in the contract. We can be as disappointed as we want. We can say, hey, they, they need to prove they're willing to spend money moving forward. But they were never that deal was never going to happen in Baltimore, and it would have been insane yeah. for them to have done a deal like that. We had Raul Ramos on the bat around on Saturday, and he basically said what it came down to was he wanted an early opt-out, and the Orioles yeah. weren't willing to go they there. They couldn't do that. How yeah. could they do that? It would no, make no sense. Makes they're no not going to win during that time period. But they also still haven't signed a shortstop or another starting pitcher. 100%. 100%. There are different conversations to have about what the Orioles are doing. But the Carlos, they could never have given Carlos Correa the deal that he got no in way. Minnesota. No it just would not have worked. Let's continue to talk about the new Maryland basketball coach. Our next guest has a unique relationship with uh, Kevin Willard. He is a very popular college basketball personality, play-by-play voice for Fox Sports, where he's called a ton of Big East games. He's a Seton Hall guy. You've also seen him on uh, the Big East's uh, various uh, platforms, their social platforms, and on NBA TV over the years. It's a pleasure to welcome in for the first time here on GCR, John Fanta, who is now with us. John, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Uh, It's great to be with you guys, and thank you for having me. And it's that time of year between the madness and and the coaching carousel equally as active. We prefer, for what it's worth, to be talking about, like, Maryland basketball playing games. (laughs) But um, this is, you know, for most people, if, you, if you're, I, I said it this way, John, if you're a 30-year-old in this state, you have watched Maryland hire a basketball coach twice now in your life. So it's a very big deal, and it comes with a lot of really strong opinions. That's just the way that something like this would work. Right. You, you know, have had a, 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 for those that don't know your background, right, going back to Seton Hall, you've known Kevin Willard for a long time, and it really has seemed like you've had a unique relationship with Kevin Willard over the years. Can you tell people a little bit more about that? I will tell you about, about Kevin, and uh, what I would say is it's very unique because when I met Kevin Willard, I was a freshman in college. Yeah. So I went to Seton Hall. I did my undergrad there. Uh, I cover the Big East, and I often say to people, uh, covering the Big East closely, I can't go to 11 schools, and I sure as hell can't go to 358. So that's my alma mater, and I got a degree from there and a diploma from there, so it'll always be my alma mater. So it means you're a lot closer to home. Sure. And, uh, and being inside that building every day, it's really interesting because I watched Kevin in the basement, and I watched him go all the way to the top of the league because he won a Big East tournament title in 2016. The year before that, they lost eight straight games. They were in a real bad way. Uh, Sterling Gibbs punches Ryan Archdiakono in a game. They have players getting either kicked off or quitting the team during the season. This is the 2014-15 season. And it was ugly. It was ugly. And to Seton Hall's credit, they stayed committed. Athletic director Pat Lyons did not did not give in to some pressures. He stayed committed to Kevin Willard and a, and a top tier recruiting class 
that then Kevin was able to, to really build things out. And, and one thing about Kevin Willard is he's, he has matured tremendously. His players talk about this. But what, he, what he's done is he has taken on whatever the program he's coaching and done the best that he can do at recruiting to that fit and bringing kids into that fit. Hmm. Hmm. What I mean by that is he'll take kids Early on in his tenure, early on in his tenure, he was taking kids around New Jersey, the nicer parts of New Jersey. And, you know, they get sold, but the, and then he'd get a kid here and there, and he'd get an international kid here or there. And, you know, it pan out okay. There was a point in time where, where he said, screw it. I'm just going to sell them on who we are. He would drive them around the Prudential Center. He'd drive them through Newark. And if you've ever driven through Newark, New Jersey, you'd know that it, it ain't ex- it ain't Jersey, exactly Pasadena, California. <laughs> no, right. no, and it's a, it's a city of toughness. Yep, long hours. There are homeless people on the streets. Uh, it's a city where people try to make ends meet. And Kevin had that re-identification process of you know what I'm going to take a kid through the neighborhood and tell him we are who we are. This is who we are. We are not Glamour. We are not Pasadena. We are not Los Angeles. This is who we are. And either you're going to be part of it or you're not. And if you don't want to be part of it, that's okay. But this is what Seton Hall is about. This is what, what South Orange and Newark, New Jersey are about. And I think that in that maturation process, he is really comfortable in his own skin. Make no mistake about it. This is not a hire by the Maryland Terrapins to get a... John Calipari, Bruce Pearl-like spokesman. Mm. Tom Izzo-like spokesman. Mm. This is not this media marvel. That's not who Kevin is. He wants to win basketball games. And he will put in the work and time because he worked for Coach Patino. This is a guy who I've seen the office lights on at midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., film, film, film. His commitment is second to, to no one. His commitment is present, and he's won a lot of games in the Big East as a result. John, knowing what you know about you know where he comes from, how much do you think that trans? Yeah, one of the knocks, and I'm not trying to take shots at Mark Turgeon. I want to make that very clear, right? But one of the knocks about Mark Turgeon was that his Midwestern personality didn't really ever fit in a place where you know it's it's DC, it's Baltimore. There's a huge New York, New Jersey uh, alumni base when it comes to the University of Maryland. It's almost as big as, frankly, the base is in the state of Maryland. Um, that the personality fit just never really was there. Knowing the way you're describing um, Kevin Willard, it sounds like that would mean the personality fit would probably be much better at a place like Maryland. Yeah, I think it will, and I think I think that Kevin Willard fits Maryland more than Mark Turgeon fit Maryland. And Kevin's staff, a head coach is only as good as his staff is. And Kevin has been able to recruit to the DMV up at Seton Hall. He'll be able to keep some of the best talent home and grow that talent and groom that talent. He's also been extremely successful in the transfer portal. And, and, and Seton Hall doesn't make the NCAA tournament this past year without some of their impact transfers, like uh, Jameer Harris and Alexis Yetna. So he, he's recruited that as well, too. It, but what he's going to do is he's going to have a staff that knows the DMV, like the back of their hand. It's why you're seeing rumors out there of a Tony Skin, yep. who's, who's currently at Ohio State. 
I, I think for all intents and purposes, I would expect Tony uh, to to agree at Maryland and, and be on that staff. But I think I think you're in a, a position here where this is a guy who who just has this knack for getting the most out of his teams, for scheming well. He's he's a good game planner. He's a quality game planner. And in the Big Ten, you better be. You you have got to know what other teams are doing. And and he's he's done a terrific job of that, of of really becoming one of those guys in the Big East that's difficult to prepare for. When Jay Wright says that, that's as big of an endorsement as you're gonna find in the sport at the moment. There is no doubt. But I think Kevin's personality will will fit well into the DMV. Uh, he's a, a guy that he's a father of two. He's got a wonderful wife, Julie. Uh, he, he's not a guy that's going to take center stage and take the attention away from his players. But he's a guy who knows what a good staff looks like and knows what winning looks like. And his father, Ralph, was a winner yep. and was a great coach. And his dad has always been hard on him. So, so know this, Terrapin fans, that this is a guy who you will not find anyone harder on himself than Kevin Willard will be. Because he is not going to accept failure. And what you will get, Maryland fans, is you will see guys come in as freshmen. And you will watch them develop. Kevin Willard is as good of a player developer that you'll find in the sport of college basketball. He's a guy that had to take two or three star kids at Seton Hall and build them into what they were. That's what he's done with guys like Miles Powell and Sandro Mamukelashvili. You're going to get that at Maryland, and he will have a staff that knows the footprint of the Maryland area and respects it the way it should be respected. He is John Fanta from Fox Sports 1. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. We're talking about Maryland's new basketball coach, Kevin Willard. John, the you know the knock is, of course, he's 1-5 in, in the NCAA tournament over the years. It, is it as simple as saying, given the resources that you have at a place like Maryland – that that should that that should close the gap, or is there something else that should be concerning about a coach that was at in a big at a big big East program? This isn't you know uh, this isn't uh, the MAC. This isn't uh, the Ivy League. It's a Big East program that had good teams, but was not able to translate that to success in March. Yeah, I think that that's a great question, and the answer is going to be found out in in what he ends up doing. Because I could give you uh, an answer as to why I think he can elevate that in Maryland, because Maryland has more resources than Seton Hall. Yep. But it's not as simple as resources. Look at the NCAA tournament right now with with the fact that the SEC has what one one Sweet Sixteen team that the Big Ten has only two, and it's gotten three in the last two years. It's not as simple as resources. But uh, he is going to have elevated resources, and with that, I only expect him to capitalize on them. I, I don't think he's a guy that crumbled in the big spot. He won a lot of big games at Seton Hall. He gave Villanova as tough of a test throughout his time as any coach in the league. You know, Villanova's one in five, or, excuse me, five and one in the Big East Championship games since 2015. Villanova's five and one. The one is to Kevin Willard. Mm. So, so to me, the gap gets closed by being able to get even more talent, uh, being able to have a staff that's strength as the DMV, being able to compete in the Big Ten where, 
where by virtue of your league and the amount of teams in your league, you're going to have a better shot of making the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And then off of that, being able to win games, look, he, he was not uh, an NCAA tournament coach who, who did much. You know, he, he won one game. Uh, did I think that, with the exception of, of the TCU loss, which I think there's more to the story with that game, and look what TCU did to Arizona. Yeah, they almost clearly quite out. good, yeah. Uh, they're quite good. But I, I think, like, I, I just think that Maryland's an easier job than Seton Hall for, for, by virtue of the resources and assets. And some people might be like, no, 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 it's a hard job with all the scrutiny and the attention. Well, with all those resources and assets, there should be attention and scrutiny. That's how it's going to be. But he's not going to let that bother him. He, he dealt with the local press. He dealt with a lot of people who doubted him. Uh, there's a big divide between Rutgers and Seton Hall and the amount of coverage each gets. I'd say the ratio, guys, is like four or five to one. And when that, when the four or five went to Seton Hall uh, and Seton Hall, and they would go for a big game and Seton Hall lost, they'd make sure to, to put Kevin down when he did. That's a fact. I've seen it. So for me, I, I don't worry about that if I'm a Maryland fan of he hasn't performed in the NCAA tournament. Look, he's gotten his teams there, and Seton Hall – Seton Hall basketball has been around for 120 years. Right. Okay. And the NCAA tournament's been around for 80, right? Before Seton Hall got there, or before Kevin Willard got to Seton Hall, all time, all time, Seton Hall had only ever been to nine tournaments out of the 80. He's taken them to five, and if 2020 was on, it would have been six. And in 2020, he was going to move on after that but COVID shut the season down. So this, this guy's ready for this step. Now, whether or not he takes it and wins, we'll see if right. the proof's in the pudding. Right. But can he? Can he? No question about it. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Maryland Terrapins in a Sweet 16 Elite 8 game in the next three to four years. Be a... that, that, that's who he is as a guy and a coach. And and that's the standard, right? And that's the thing that he's walking into. And, and I'm sure he knows that coming in, right? Like, that he knows the, the last coach that was here won a ton of games but was defined by not making deep runs. There's no way that Kevin Willard came here thinking, well, I don't have to worry about too much. He knows. That's what the, the definition of Maryland basketball is. Are you making runs? Are you winning games in the NCAA tournament? And clearly he has to be ready for that challenge. Yes. Yes. And, and he challenges himself. He is someone who is extremely accountable uh, for for just everything, for the highs and for the downs. This is a guy who's been through lows, and and I think you're stronger off of that. It tells me all you need to know that you went through some some rough lows, rough lows, and that they hung by you. They hung by you at Seton Hall when not like he's an alum or, or it's not like they couldn't have figured out a way to move on right but but this is a guy who who just has a, a level demeanor he is able to develop his talent and I think he's going to be a tough out in the Big Ten I mean I, I think that he's a guy that consistently made it a standard made it a standard to win his teams play intense basketball they guard you and, uh, and I think that, that he's the guy for Maryland that can take them back to the places that they'd like to be because he works hard, he's going to roll up his sleeves, and he knows how to develop players and get his guys 
to buy in. All right, John Fanta. I am a uh, I'm a point guard guy, right? And so I I picked Villanova to win the title this year. One because you know I don't know if you've heard they do that sometimes. Um, they're they're pretty good at that. But I just I I love the idea of the ball being in Colin Gillespie's hands in close situations with games on the line in an NCAA tournament. I was feeling a little nervous uh, against Ohio State. But what do you think of of the the chances that Villanova continues to roll through this thing? I think the chances are good because Villanova has evolved offensively. They, they have four or five options at a time right now that can score the ball effectively. It's not just Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore. Jermaine Samuels goes seven for nine against Ohio State. Eric Dixon pours in the 13 points and gives them that dagger shot. And Caleb Daniels has really turned it on as of late. The Tulane transfer is in his second year with the program. He's been very good. For them. Brandon Slater wasn't even a huge factor in the two NCAA tournament wins thus far, and I think that just is an attribution to the fact that Villanova, they're not a team that's eight or nine deep, gentlemen, but they're a team that the six guys they got yep. are really, really in sync. And that's why I just like their scoring options more than I like Michigan. And after watching Arizona last night, I think Houston is going to be a real tough team for Arizona to meet. It would not surprise me if Houston wins that game. But, but look, the, there's a path. There's a path for Villanova to get to the Final Four. And that path is run because they have a point guard who does not turn over the ball and a supporting cast who's coming into their own. I mean, I this is why I like them. I, of course, there's a lot of really good teams that are left in this tournament, right? Like, there, there are still plenty of other teams that are capable of cutting the nets down. But those are the types of things that I want in a team that I think has a chance to win a national championship. John, I know you, uh, you probably are one of the hardest working men in all of sports media at this point. What, uh, what can we plug for you? Where can people be seeing you, listening to you, all those things over the course of the next few days? Yeah, John underscore Fanta, J-O-H-N underscore Fanta. I'm off to Chicago for the Midwest Regional. It's Kansas and Providence and Iowa State and Michigan. Uh, Jim Laranega. By George, George Mason. Well, now he's doing it with Miami. He's got a loaded backcourt uh, led by Isaiah Wong, and they're in the Sweet 16. So I'm looking forward to covering the Midwest Regional in Chi-Town here Mary, and this what, week. I'll be on the ground over there. What a story. I know there are people in Maryland that really wanted Ed Cooley, but you know, the more, more I watched, and I saw plenty of your videos about the scenes in Providence all season long and just what a beloved figure he was, it was apparently it was quite clear to me he ain't leaving. Like He's just not leaving that place. It is Life is too good for him in his hometown, man, and what a job he has done. John, really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Uh, it's been a busy day for us. I know it's been a busy time for you. Thank you for squeezing us in. Let's talk again at some point down the road. Thank you for doing it. Anytime, guys. Thank you for having me. John Fanta from uh, Fox Sports 1 and uh, the Big East Network. Appreciate him taking a couple minutes for us, sharing some more thoughts about the new Maryland coach, which we have, boy, covered from, I think, every angle possible now. Look, at some point, we will hope to uh, have a conversation with Kevin Willard. That'll be uh, under Maryland's uh, timeline. That's just the way that it'll work. We have put uh, a couple of different requests in with them. We will see how that all plays out. I do believe um, one of his former players, Derek Gordon, who was the first openly gay player in college basketball history. I I had forgotten about this story. But Derek Gordon, who ended up transferring to Seton Hall after he had come out and, and Kevin Willard had said, we don't care. We we need a basketball player. 
Like, what the hell are we talking about? Give me a good basketball player. And Derek Gordon was a really good one. Um, he's going to join us, I believe, tomorrow to tell us a little bit more about Kevin Willard. So I'm looking forward to that. Let's go ahead and wind down for the day. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. The bracket bonus offer continues for any Live Rewards member who makes at least a $50 bet on any NCAA tournament game. Yes, we're through the first weekend, but the tournament continues. So if you get down there for the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, Final Four, the title game, you make a $50 bet on any NCAA tournament game, you can register it for a bracket bonus. Whether your bet wins or loses, you could be one of 10 Live Rewards members who wins $500. But again, you've got to sign up to be a Live Rewards member. You can go see the, the friendly folks at the betting windows at the FanDuel Sportsbook, and they will be happy to help you. You can always make your bets on one of these 61, soon to be 63, self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Bracket bonus, $500. will go to 10 different Live Rewards members who make at least one $50 or more bet on an NCAA tournament game. That offer continues through the title game. What you got? All right. After this past weekend's slate of games, the Sweet 16 is set with the first tip-off set for this Thursday. In all, 14 of the 16 teams have reached at least one Final Four, combining for 106 Final Four appearances. Mm -hmm. Of those 14 teams, 12 have played in the National Championship game, combining for 34 runner-up finishes, including vacated seasons due to NCAA um, rules violations. Eight of those 12 teams have won the national championship, combining for 31 national championships. Yes. What eight schools still alive in the tournament have won the national championship, and which scores have won? Mo- which schools have won more than one? Well, Villanova definitely has won more than one. Mm-hmm. They've won three. North Carolina, of course, has won more than one. They've won six. UCLA has won more than one. They've won 11. Um... I think Arizona's just won one. I think they're on the other list. They've yeah. won one. Yeah, I think they've only won one. Gonzaga obviously hasn't won any. No. St. Peter's, of course, has not won any. Uh, Houston has won, I think... Oh, hang on a second. Let me Wait a second. He's, of course, lost to NC State, but I still think Houston won a title. No. Damn it. Oh, I thought I was going to go perfect on this. Some of them are tricky. Michigan has won a national championship. Yes, in yes. 1989. It was the famous uh, Steve Fisher had to replace uh, Bill Friedel because he Friedel because he wasn't enough of a, a Michigan man to uh, <laughs> Bo Schembechler. That's a real story. Oh, uh, uh, so yeah, Kansas. I almost forgot Kansas was. They've won multiple national championships. Uh, Kansas has won three. That's correct. Um, another obvious one. There's another obvious one. There's another North Carolina, UCLA, Philadelphia, Michigan, Kansas. There's another obvious one. It's won multiple national championships. It's obvious. This is up in the Mike Tyson. Oh, Duke. Realm. Yeah, right. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Duke, I, they, I, won I like five. to block out Duke being uh, in the, even in. And you've got one. I know you pushed it out of your mind. Yeah, you've right. you got one school happened. left. I thought you said there were eight. Right. Did, did you? No, did I, you got, guess, I got Villanova. No, but I did know that Arkansas won a title. I would have gotten there eventually. Nolan Richardson, of course. That's eight, right? One, no, that's seven. Three, four, Kansas, five, Duke. Six, seven, I've got eight. Villanova, Carolina, UCLA, Michigan, Kansas, Duke, and Arkansas. You, the first guess was Arizona. You said Arizona's won. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did say Arizona. Never mind. I did. I just didn't write them down. Sorry. Can you name the three that had their seasons vacated? 
the three team the three schools had their seasons vacated. That of that group? No, no. Um, of the Nash of these eight teams. One, two, yeah. Yeah, who had titles that were no, vacated? No, they, they had runners-up vacated. Oh, Mich- uh, hang on a second. No, that was Michigan beat Louisville. Uh, but the final, the Fab Four team, yeah. They yeah had, 92 they, and they 93, had a, they yeah. had their, their yeah, they, runners-up they vacated. Um, who else had something vacated? I'm just guessing at this point. I really don't remember. Uh, UCLA because of Jim Herrick? 1980 had their... No, that wasn't Jim Herrick. I don't remember what that was in 80. Uh... I don't know. Tell me. 1971, Villanova had their season. Sure, sure. We could have been here all day. Never forgotten that. Yeah. All right, very you good. I had a few other I mean, schools. Sure, but I, I just didn't know. Here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise uh, this afternoon and tonight. Don't forget, know the risks. Have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Uh, NCAA Women's Tournament continues the second round. Of course, Maryland already on to the Sweet 16. ESPN's got Kansas State, NC State at 4, Belmont, Tennessee at 7, UCF and UConn at 9, ESPN 2, Notre Dame, Oklahoma at 6, Ohio State, LSU at 8, North Carolina, Arizona at 10, ESPNU, Villanova, Michigan at 6, Princeton, Indiana at 8. NBC Sports Washington for Rockets, Wizards, or actually Wizards, Rockets, because it's in Houston. That's at 8. NBA TV, Jazz Nets, 7.30. NHL Network, Bruins, Canadiens at 7 o'clock. MLB Network, Phillies, Yankees at 1. Royals, Angels at 4. You will find no broadcast whatsoever of the Orioles and Twins today at 1 o'clock. Chichi Gonzalez is apparently a thing, and I'm all in on Chichi Gonzalez. He pitches for the Twins. Tyler Wells is starting for the Orioles, but Grayson Rodriguez will pitch today. The USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw tonight. Some non-sports. Um, Weezer will be performing on Jimmy Kimmel Live tonight. Uh, Leslie Mann. I love Leslie Mann. She's going to be on the Tonight Show starring, starring Jimmy Fallon at 11.35. Uh, the season finale of The Gilded Age on HBO at 9, followed by My Brilliant Friend at 10, and then the rest just go to... I haven't Club had a radio. chance to watch Winning Time yet. I need to make sure I do that. Today. Yeah, i got to watch it, too. All right, I watched very, basketball last night. Yeah, I've watched basketball all weekend, frankly. Yeah. Like I, I didn't even, I haven't, I haven't even watched Mr. Mayor from last week. Like I haven't watched anything because I've just been watching basketball when and, I'm not calling lacrosse games anyway. I'll tell you, I am so far behind on WWE. Usually, I'm excited for WrestleMania season. I, I'm like not well, even into it. Yeah, there's not really a whole lot to be excited about anyway. There's very little going on yeah. there. All right, thanks today to, oh boy, it was a long list. Thanks to John Fanta. Thanks to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Pat Kennedy. Thanks to uh, Zach Braziller. And thanks to um, John Feinstein. John Feinstein, exactly right. We'll get all that up. We had all the John Fs on the show <laughs> John today. Fs. Uh, we'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, tomorrow, Patrick Stevens is going to join us, as he does every Tuesday. We'll get his thoughts on Maryland's hire. As I mentioned, I believe Derek Gordon, who was the first openly gay player in college basketball history and played for Kevin Willard at Seton Hall, he's going to join us as well. And, of course, Stuff and Things, Simply the Bets, tomorrow at 1140. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go nobody. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. <laughs>